Hello and welcome to the Saladcast on Saturday the 1st of November 2014. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. That was chlorine, not chlorine. And Robert Kemp. I couldn't make up my mind what to do with it. Like halfway through I sort of changed heart. And, I don't know. It came out shit. <laughs> <laughs> are we just going to when you run out of elements? And, or more importantly, when you... Uh, uh, don't run out of elements, but you run out of remembering which elements you've actually said. You're gonna just—it's more like trying to remember what voices I've already done or ways of saying elements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all your voices are exactly the same. Yeah, that's the problem. That is the problem. Because <laughs> like this one, I was thinking like chlorine. Ah, oh, chlorine gas. Ah, oh, poisoning. So I was saying an evil voice. Like, ah, no, I've done that, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't at all what it sounded like either. No. But yeah, that's that's what happened there. Okay. Maybe if you invent a whole new way of saying it, then you could reuse every single one and just do them in the different way. Chlorine. <laughs> Chlorine. <laughs> Is that your literal uh, pronunciation? Yes. Why isn't the it chlorine? chlorine. <laughs> Why is it chlorine? Why, yeah, why shouldn't it be chlor- chlorine? Chlorine. 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 Shlorine. I don't know, some, some words have the N-E pronounced at the end. Shlorine. I thought you were trying to say, like, briny, like chlorine. Brine. Brine. <laughs> brine. <laughs> brine deep. It's brine. <laughs> Tuna chunks in brine. <laughs> Except that would probably be ton of chunks. Just what I like in my sandwich. Ton of chunks in bread. What sounds else? A ton la- of- sounds, t- sounds a little Latin, doesn't it? <laughs> ton of chunks in bread. That last part certainly does. <laughs> I don't think chunks. <laughs> <laughs> chunks doesn't quite work. <laughs> uh, all those Roman legions in there. Ton of chunks. Tell the jokes. Do you think they even <laughs> eat, ate tuna in the Roman times? Because it's an ocean fish, isn't it? Like you have to, you have to fish it out of the Atlantic, don't you? I don't think there's tuna in the Mediterranean, is there? Not that I'm aware of. Because tuna's freaking huge. Have you ever seen a tuna? Yeah, they're fish? pretty big. Yeah, yeah. They're massive. I always thought. I don't know why. I thought they were like because I always think of salmon and tuna as being similar because you get. You get them in tins. In in tins, and you get them in sandwiches. But in fact, like tuna, quite a lot different from salmon. And I was say, it, it makes even less sense. But for some reason, in my head, like tuna are always like kippers or that sort of size, like right, you know, really small. But then you wouldn't get chunks as big as you do in the tins if they came yeah. off a kipper. You know? freaking steaks. You can get steaks because they're freaking gigantic. They're not as big as cows, but they're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Cow tuna. Tuna cow. I wonder, you probably could find tuna as big as a cow if you looked really hard. If you fished and fished. Well, that's the that's the myth you need to start in order to get fishermen trying. And it'll be part of a few generations. <laughs> it'll be passed there. down. The, the There'll be a cow-sized tuna. No, t- ton, of, ton of junk. <laughs> <laughs> the legend of the bovine tuna. Bovine. 
Bo- bovine? Bo- bovine tana. Tana bovina chunk. <laughs> tana bovina. You need to start a restaurant. Tana bovina. It's like, it, it serves tuna and, and, uh, and beef. I'm just imagining people's faces if they looked up at the signs and saying, <laughs> which you'd read as tuna bovine. <laughs> you'd be like, no, it's what? Tana Bovina. What are you doing? What are you saying? You're very uncultured. You're saying it wrong, you Philistine. Right, you're not cool enough for this restaurant. Get out. Get out. We won't serve anyone who calls it Tuna Bovina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very... Well, we're understaffed, you see. <laughs> the, only way, the only way to survive is by throwing out people that can't provide the right name so we don't get bad service. Uh, yeah, I'd like a table for two, please. Um, excuse me, uh, could you uh, say the name of the restaurant that you're calling? Uh, Tuna Bovine? No, sorry, <laughs> no tables available. Are you fully booked? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not available. Is this because I said Tuna Bovine? It's because you said Clara, Clarine. 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 Is she like the next Doctor Who companion? Clarine. After, because naturally they're all named similarly. So the previous one, the next one is named slightly. So it sounds a little bit like the previous one, but slightly like a twist on it. Either that or there's an alien planet that just can't pronounce certain words right. And it'd be like, Clara. Clarine? No, Clara. Clarine! <laughs> That is gold. That <laughs> you have to pitch that. That is the next episode. A whole planet of people that can't pronounce the name of one of the characters. So, uh, yeah, it's certain certain vowel sounds they can't make, but then that would mean that they can't say the R part, which means they could say they'd never say Clowrow. <laughs> A whole planet of Robs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least the kind of Rob that announces the start of the show. <laughs> Apparently. So, how are you guys I doing? <laughs> aside yeah, from right. pronunciation aside, what's going on? Slightly unexpectedly warm. Yeah. That's what's going on. Freaking boiling. Don't know. Doing the British thing of talking about the weather, but fuck me. Yeah, I'll be warm all, all day and then get What's dark it doing really in the quickly. 20s in November, man? Yeah. What is the what is the temperature going up going on down? I'm yeah, I've been at nearly twenty I think. Yeah, it's like yeah. twenty twenty something here, I think, and it's been but the problem is it's like indoors naturally. The sun's been out and it's been real bright and it's like it's making the inside of my house hot. You've got a bit of a greenhouse effect going on in your house. Uh, uh, house house. I think it's because like the sun's like hanging lower in the sky, so it's just coming through the windows more. <laughs> Like right. when it's in summer, at least it's like it's higher, and so you get more shade. Quite... Yeah, I, I guess when you're it's inside. A terrible I theory, but I don't know. Is that legit, Zach? <laughs> I don't know. No, but like it has to go through more atmosphere, right? So it must reduce the um, intensity. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be worse. Like cause the angle's not straight on, is it? It's but again, out, it's, why... it's just radiation, right? The the heat that you're talking about, which I guess that. Hmm. Well, I guess it heats up the. But then even when, doesn't it? Yeah. 
So well, yeah, but even, even even when the sun's higher in the sky, in theory, there's like, well, then then I suppose the angle to the window is is less direct, isn't it? So like maybe there's then less coming in through the windows, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, not quite. Sure. Tell me, it's warm anyway. It's too warm. It's it's too warm. Too warm for November. Fuck it. Ain't no I- southern hemisphere, bitch. <laughs> well, you're taking the mick out of half of the planet there. <laughs> Literally 50% of the land mass. Not the land mass, sorry. But yeah, it the, sort of uh, dawned on me after I said it. It's surface like, area. <laughs> to all our Brazilian fans. <laughs> yeah, all our Antipodean fans as well. I'm, I think we're probably more likely to have um, Australian and New, New Zealand fans than uh, Brazilian fans, but you never know. We do not yet have a Portuguese translation of the soundcast. No. <laughs> Good luck translating. <laughs> translating all the <laughs> 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 Oh man. Muchas gracias, Tuna <laughs> I've been waiting to wear my bloody winter coat, you know? I always thought November uh, mine, mine came out. Mine oh, yours came has come out, has it? Yeah, last last couple of weeks. Mine hasn't come out yet because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil, basically. Even if I don't wear... Even if I just wear a T-shirt under it, it's still going to be too hot. Um, it's annoying, though, because I don't have an intermediate coat. And so I just have an umbrella, basically. And that broke and I had to buy a new one. So it's, it's yep, difficult. mine broke as well. I'm really, really annoyed about that because it was my cool samurai hilted one. And it, oh no! And the, the the wind was so strong, the shaft bent. Like it seriously, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't break on the um, you know, the shitty little spidery tassely bits that actually hold the fabric. No, the whole bloody shaft bent. Uh, um, dude, I've got one of those samurai hilted umbrellas that I don't use. It's in it's in Barry St. Edmunds. So if I can get hold of it for you, you can, <laughs> damn right, that'd be awesome. That Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just pretend like the other one didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really annoying because I like, I like that thing. It's real comfortable to hold and stuff. And it's like, it's the one umbrella I actually sort of had that wasn't broken in some way. Yeah. And well, now it is. Did, I mean, it's very common. Like, if you're on a windy day and, and windy, rainy day, you see discarded umbrellas everywhere. I do on the streets and stuff where people are like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. It's just busted and I'll just leave it here. They don't even put yeah. it in the bin. They're just like, oh, fuck it. And just leave it on the side of the road. Yeah. Whereas it's my one has lasted years, like, because, well, not, yeah, years, because um, it's a really well-constructed one and it's got those uh, vents in it, you know, the the kind of gust buster windproof thing. It really works, but it was getting yeah. to the point where I, was, um, I wasn't, like, drying it properly. I was just, like, I'd come in and it was wet and I'd leave it and then it would actually rust the, so it was starting to rust the actual frame of it. Right, right. It was old, so I had to replace it anyway. But I did. I mean, in, it, in its defence, it was a stupid windy day, and I probably shouldn't have been using it because it was like starting to blow around real bad. And I was on the right. verge of about to put it down when it bent, yeah. which made it doubly <laughs> annoying. It's like I was about to solve this problem, and then it fucked. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Damn it! That's bad luck. But, but like, I, it, I don't have an intermediate coat, like I say. So I, if I didn't have the umbrella, I'd just get wet pretty much. But then it fucked in just the wrong way that, you know, you can't actually then put it down. 
because like the shaft's bent, I then can't pull the, the, no. the thing all the way back down. So it's stuck no. open. It's like, well, what the bloody hell do I do now? I can't walk out in that wind with it open because it will just break more. Yeah. Or, <laughs> not that that's really important at this point. So I had to, conveniently, it's one of those like little ones that has one of those little Velcro straps around it. So you could like refasten just the top so the spider prong things didn't come out. But it still had the shaft real long. So I just walked right. around with this long stick for a moment to go while I dump it in the back of my car. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Fucking umbrellas. They're good. Great. They're... Normally. Yeah. Just not against wind. <laughs> Speaking of cars. Zach's going to talk Are about we? cars. Are <laughs> we? Well, no, no, I'm not really going to talk about cars. I'm going to talk about weird things that I saw in my car. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great segue. What do you, what have you seen inside your car? This is it's a not Halloween inside my car, story. it's from, from, oh, inside, from my car. inside your car. Okay. Was it a hobo? No. Did you just open the door and some guy who's called Steve was just looking up at you just going... Some guy called Steve looking up Steve. from the floor. Yeah, because he was asleep. Hobos are always asleep. Okay. <laughs> no, it was like... Uh, it was... It's things I see for the amount of times I drive, which is basically like once a week to come here, pretty much. <laughs> like for the amount of time that I actually drive, I see a lot of weird, dumb things. Considering how, the, like actual period of time I'm driving for drive time, like, so weird, dumb, yeah, weird, dumb thing whilst driving of the week. So, like last week when I was driving here, I saw someone who's who where their left indicator was normal. But their right indicator was at like triple speed. <laughs> so when they indicated left, it looked fine. When they indicated right, it's like. Yeah, but that wow, happens wow, wow, if wow. that that can happen if you if one of your bulbs has gone on some of those switches. Yeah, they must have just like had the wrong like resistance or whatever. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't remember why that is. I did used to know the the electronic reason or electrical reason for that. But yeah, if one of your bulbs go like the whatever the switch is. I think they used to be like real shitty or something where they would heat up and then yeah, snap probably. out and then they'd cool down and snap back. But then if there's only one light for some reason that... Because the resistance changes. Yeah. So the, it heats it up faster. The, the, yeah. The snap, <coughs> the snap rate changes. And then there was also another week where I saw someone driving with a trailer and they'd done the classic error of wiring the indicators the wrong way round. So like the <laughs> indicators on the car on the trailer were the opposite. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's bad. Nice. <laughs> That, that's all kinds of illegal, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. And then I also saw the most illegal manoeuvre I've ever seen while driving, where I was coming up to a round round, and, uh, and someone was going to, like, the third exit, so they were going around and then out on the right. But they didn't. They just drove straight across the right-hand side of the roundabout going the wrong way. Oh, shit. I was like, holy fuck. That's like the most illegal thing. You know that, it, uh, we may have talked about this before, you know that the, the big sets of lights on London Road in Ipswich? Like near, near the Burger King and the McDonald's? Right, yeah. Like, I um, do. Yeah. <laughs> How many other people Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's a giant set of lights there. And the number of people I've seen like take a right turn on there but go down... Um, because of the way that some of the lanes are separated, like just drive down the ro- the wrong way down the street, so they'll turn right into what they think that their turn is. But no, actually, they need to be a whole another lane over, and, and it's like there's a barrier, you know, central reservation and all that in the way, and they just they get there and then they go, oh Fuck. shit, the floor markings are pointing the other direction. <laughs> uh, number of times I've seen that happen. Yes, it's terrible. 
But yeah, so all those weird things happened during the like 20 minutes that I drive a week. <laughs> it's like, how does that keep happening? Maybe it's just Needham. Maybe Needham is just full of bad drivers. Or like incompetent car people. I nearly, I nearly hit someone one time, although that was not me being incompetent at driving, that was a pedestrian being incompetent at being a pedestrian. <laughs> well, they just didn't look. Well, there was like, it, there's a pedestrian crossing in Needham now, where they've changed it for a zebra crossing to actually have lights in the middle oh, of yeah, the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. And I'm pretty goddamn sure the light was green <laughs> when I was driving there, and I zinged fast, and I just heard someone yelling at me, <laughs> and I was like, it was fucking green. <laughs> It's not on several crossing any longer. Actually, yeah. pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone well, that assumed it was still a zebra crossing. But, uh, well, that well was... I don't know. It's oh. been like that. Been yeah, it's been like a while. <laughs> yeah. But even if it's a zebra crossing, you stand there and you wait for the car to stop, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't just walk onto the crossing unless there's nobody yeah. there. Yeah, right. I might just casually shout, cheers, if someone doesn't stop, you know, a zebra crossing. Yeah. But... I don't just walk out in front of them going, you better fucking stop. <laughs> that could have been bad. I sometimes, wait. I, I sometimes do just because uh, if I feel like taking a risk, I feel like that would be the most <laughs> ironic like death like picture. Mm. Like the if you were like knocked down, if you're going to get run over, it might as well be on a zebra crossing so that it's like <laughs> a big white sign saying, I was in the right, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, what you really need is to get four people walking uh, just the right speed across the roundabout. So they were uh, roundabout? Across the, roundabout. <laughs> across, across the zebra crossing. But they have to all position themselves precisely at just the right time so they get knocked down, but they all knock down so they're lying like the Beatles, but on the right. other side, on the, on the floor. Like the Beatles, but so with their legs but like wide. Like, yeah, yeah, as if they were walking, but on the sides. <laughs> I'm not sure door. you could actually get hit by a car and fall off in that position. No, right? probably not. It'd be quite, Unless it was just like... like <laughs> quite difficult. <laughs> or just have everyone do it in comedy fashion, like walk out like the Beatles. And, and they just lay down. Over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, they have to do it on the Abbey Road as well because people piss about on that thing constantly. There's like a webcam where you can watch people pissing about on that on that oh, zebra awesome. crossing all day. It's hilarious. That's a great idea because it's a legit road with people trying to actually get somewhere down it. And it, it <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if people do that with um, oh, I forget what it's called. Is it Lombard Street in San Francisco? The crazy zigzag yeah, road. Yeah, zigzag road. Yeah, probably. Like one of the people do that. That's like they're seeing these cars really struggle to. But I can't so imagine sure that people street drive down is like, just for a laugh. yeah, that street can't be like super utility based. I'm sure there's a, a better way around. Oh yeah, there is. There yeah. is. Yeah. Which with Abbey Road, it's just a road. <laughs> I don't know. It's not some weird. I mean, that must be mostly for access. That awesome curvy Lombard Street, right, to the people that live on the street and stuff, and for doing yeah, and for it, having that, that hill is too steep. I think for it to just be a road. Yeah. So they have to do the zigzag on it to. Yeah, I, I walked up it, which is probably the wrong direction to take it because I wanted to stand at the, the, the route I was walking around San Fran. I was just like, "Well, I'm going to see the crazy street." You know, I've jumped down it so many times on Rush. Yeah, <laughs> stood at the bottom of it and looked up, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool looking for you know seeing this like endless stream of cars attempt to navigate it. Um, and then it was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to walk up it." That was hard work. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite it's it's quite long and really fucking steep. <laughs> San Francisco's crazy. It's cool. I don't know okay. why there aren't more like um, cities that are 
stuck on hillsides. You do get it in Europe and stuff, but not as badly as San Francisco, though. No, because I don't know. I guess most town planners had some modicum of sense. More sense. Sort of, <laughs> sort of looked at and go, I'm not fucking building on that. Are you nuts? <laughs> Fair enough. There's a whole <laughs> flat bit right over there. <laughs> That's true. It's just, uh, yeah. I, I guess like with <laughs> with every town, it probably started out like, like it was some small fishing village maybe or something and then the best fish or something were there. <laughs> they started doing really well and then of course that led to prosperity and then prosperity leads to insanity. Uh, prosperity? <laughs> Who wants that? <laughs> only lead- prosperity, I'm telling you, it only leads to insanity. That's how, that's Rob's, how life works. Rob's wisdom of the week. <laughs> <laughs> of the week. Live long and don't prosper too much or you'll go insane. <laughs> Everything in moderation. <laughs> don't, don't, don't even live long. <laughs> <laughs> live long. Life in moderation, yeah. <laughs> average and average. That would be you, like, greeting an alien race and you put out your palm in, like, a weird Rob symbol and say... Everything in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Just get average and average. <laughs> Live normally. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be weird. <laughs> I'd hold my hand up as if to do the 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 what is it, the Vulcan salute or whatever it is. Yeah. Just hold it up. <laughs> Like don't even form a symbol. Anything, just hold it up. You hold it. Maybe like wave, yeah. <laughs> like a perfectly normal person. Exactly. Live normally. <laughs> Be no- symbol of normalness. Just a nice friendly wave. Live normally and average, <laughs> my friend. I'm slow. I don't know why I'm slapping my iPad at that. <laughs> I'm very excited about this regular manifesto. <laughs> I'm very excited about this dumb conversation. It's because you've had coffee. That's the one. Woo! Oh, is that what's going on? Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, listeners, this is a podcast about video games. And we have some news for you. <laughs> Apparently, maybe. Kind of, yeah. It's still More so than last week. Yeah, this is true. But it's still kind of news blackout time. Nothing really no. groundbreaking going on. News! News! You want to kick us off then? <clears throat> all right. All right. Um, Microsoft news. Um, the, the start of the shit news is that the... Well, it's not shit. It's kind of interesting. Microsoft are still obviously playing catch-up on the hardware sales game. Um, yeah. To the point where they've reduced their uh, bundle costs for this season to $350, supposedly. <laughs> Um, which, you know, the, the bundle deal, meaning that you're actually getting the console technically for $300. So, um, which is the, the lowest it's been so far. So this is um, the no, no Connect bundle. With this is the, yeah, this is the No Connect version with, with a game. So I think the Sunset Under Overdrive, so for Under Overdrive <laughs> is the version that um, is the cheapest right now. Man, they missed a trick they, they probably should have made it $360. This is like a sort of comedy throwback to... <laughs> They basically, at this point, they fully capitulated on everything they did with the announcement, right? Yep, pretty much. They basically reversed course on literally everything. (laughs) There's not a great deal left, no. Um, Other than the the mandatory installs, that stayed. (laughs) 
they shut down the Microsoft uh, television studios thing or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, this this week, I think. Officially. Oh, it finally, finally closed. Yeah. So that's the final nail in the coffin for that for that ridiculous press conference. That initiative, yeah. In fairness, it was a super ambitious idea, like the whole Microsoft Entertainment thing. Yeah. And I, again, I kind of feel a bit sorry for them because a lot of what they were saying wasn't with bad intention. No. It's just the world wasn't ready. Yeah. And, you know, you don't launch a games console or a... You know, a brand that is associated with games with TV, 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 TV. Yeah, no games. You don't, you don't do that. There's a catalogue of errors, but they had some good ideas buried in there, and it's a shame that we probably won't see any of them now for maybe another decade or so until they try again. Yeah, maybe five years. Yeah. yeah. But yes, so now uh, it's affordable you get a good console you get a game seems like a reasonable proposition yeah i mean i still think it's a better proposition at this point than buying a ps4 unless you're really into your third party games like the xbox exclusive train is just carrying on and it's i think it's great at the moment so what have they got on PS4? Uh, over so you got Sunset over uh, Drive Club is the really the and Little Big Planet three I think are the only exclusives on PS4 that are really that are coming out this this holiday. So right now, say you don't care about those, then then if you get an Xbox, then you can have exclusives are Sunset Overdrive, Halo. Um, I'm sure there are more, but they've escaped my head right now. <laughs> Good job, Forza, obviously. So, yeah. It's the big one. Um, okay, that's pretty good. I feel like Halo's like Project Spark. <laughs> I, I want to play that Halo game. I have to say, but it is just games I've already played. Yeah, yeah, Ultimate. I know. I'm, I, it's one of those things. I'm not going to go out of my way to get it simply because it's not. It can't factor into any of our game of the year discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the important thing, obviously. Well, yeah, you know, I've got to pay. I, I really, I really have to watch my spending more. Like. I had we had one of these realizations, like well, I had a realization these last two weeks about holy shit, weddings are expensive. Yeah, they freaking are. Like it suddenly, like just dawned on me just how much I'm going to have to actually start saving properly now. They're only as expensive as you let them be. <laughs> I know, but like we had a plan and we're sticking to it. But that plan is a bit more expensive than we anticipated, and it's, um, yeah. There may be some hard decisions about who we end up inviting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you guys have got to earn your place. <laughs> you well, I don't care. Save and... <laughs> some money there. I really don't care. You know I don't care about any social function ever. <laughs> but it's got food. That is true. It'll be, it'll be awesome, Zach. But it'll, it'll, be be, cool. it'll be hardcore, like, fancy food, though. Uh, no, no, no. You came to you it's came just, to John's wedding. It's, it's not pizzas. No, I, I, I haven't quite been able to spin the. Let's just get Domino's. Um, you should make a pizza cake. Again, that thought has been mentioned. <laughs> or whether or not to just have a cake and just make each layer cheese, or have a cake and then just put a pizza on top of each layer. <laughs> oh, that's filth. Yeah, that'd, that'd be really <laughs> gross, actually. <Ew>. <laughs> <laughs> Get your Victoria dad to make the burgesses. <laughs> well, yeah, we are thinking fancy barbecue. That's no secret. Cool. So, 
So there will be burgers. Fear not. Okay. It's going to be awesome. Burger, you can have his burger. Yeah, it's going to be all, Yeah, it's going to be great. The only thing I'm... Uh, yeah, we haven't landed on like evening entertainment or anything like that yet. Um, how are we yeah. going to manage that? Um, I mean, well, we, what it might, to, you we know, might be to, okay to, with to, just like, having someone managing like a Winamp list and just making sure yeah. it changes the tracks. At I think moments, that or... might not be such a bad idea because John and Vanessa, like, they paid for a disco or whatever, one of those mobile discos, and they go, yeah. the guy promised them that they'd be able, he'd have whatever they wanted to play, and it was a total lie. Yeah, obviously, John and Vanessa are particular about music, and they didn't mm. have what they wanted. And they, anyway, it was good though. It was all right, but yeah, anyway. it was great. It was a good night. It was a good night. But yeah, what I'm, what yeah, if all, all all you need is someone to be able to time the transitions to songs better. So I don't know, maybe Kippers or someone. Yeah, that yeah, seems, seems like, like an inevitable possibility. Yeah, you, you don't need like a super skilled DJ for a wedding thing. You just need someone who knows, you know, a, a good moment to swap a song and to perhaps to swap a song to avoid the intro on on the next one. You know. If they have long intros and stuff, so if then someone would be willing to do that all night digitally. Then I could just connect my NAS drive up to them and just say, "Here, go nuts! Here's a shit ton of MP3 files." Like <laughs> so many appropriate wedding songs in your MP3 collection. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Just, just make sure you don't let them see, get into the Yipman folder. Yeah, any of that is probably... <laughs> well, actually, not. probably about half of those are actually wedding songs <laughs> in reality. <laughs> <laughs> Any of that, yeah. or I'm a gangster, straight up G. There's totally like, you know, they're going to give you up. I suppose that, yeah. that's probably a wedding song. Oh man, that has to be played. We are, uh, my wedding has to get rip rolled. <laughs> that only works if you have a projection video, though. Do you mean you need to like deploy the costume? I could probably pull off a Rick, Rick Astley, probably. <laughs> I've got the blonde <laughs> hair and shit. In fairness, it would probably only work if we'd done this five years ago. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. I, I, or if, I was if at a party like, on, the, or... on Thursday and they kept telling me I looked like somebody from some film and I, I had no idea who they're talking about. They said I looked like the boss from the, the Jim Carrey movie Yes Man and I'd never seen that because I had these glasses oh, no, now so that. I look different. But I've looked yeah. it up and I think they mean Reese Darby as in, because um, I haven't seen the film, but I think they mean Reese Darby as in the guy who plays Murray in Flight of the Concords. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know if in the film, yes, man, he hasn't got the New Zealand accent because presumably he's playing an American character. Um, mm. But I don't think I that, look that much like him, but that's kind of a compliment if I do, <laughs> and sort of, because <laughs> he's awesome. Murray is awesome. Leggy oh, oh, yes, sorry, it just reminded me which one you meant. Um, slightly, maybe, if, if he was blonder. Well, he's quite blonde, isn't he? Is he? No, he's, he's sort of brown is he yeah quite brown uh, well i'm not brown. that one anymore like brownie brown brownie brown okay maybe not uh well people usually tell me it's uh well on the on youtube it's mostly michael Sarah, isn't it but it's close enough to uh rick astley for me michael Sarah, really I yeah see that one at all like people on the loads of people on that youtube video of me playing that white stripe song they oh, are yeah, yeah. So I'm look like Michael Sarah. That seems to be the the um. They're okay. like, doesn't they're, they're like doesn't Michael Sarah play bass? I'm like, <laughs> 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 doesn't Scott Pilgrim play bass? Play bass? Yeah, that, that's the that's the, that's one of the comments. <laughs> Classy. Anywho, wedding times. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, news. I guess what were we talking about? 
Oh, Rob can't spend money. That's Rob, what yeah, Rob's yeah. money. So that's yeah. why I'm not buying Halo Master Chief Collection straight away. Oh, you're not? Um, okay. Fair enough. Because, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to, yeah. As, as much as I do want to play that, and I reckon it'll be awesome. Um, but yeah, can't factor it into GOTY, so it will have to wait. Basically, all I've got left on that I think I can really justify this year is COD, which I, you know, I bought, pre-ordered a while back, and Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. And so they seem like the the good <laughs> go-tos. You know, I was thinking maybe <clears throat> maybe there's a way that we can give ourselves a break on this GOTY thing. Like, what can we do? I was just thinking because because I know all the all the professional magazines they all come out with their game of the years. Right at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, maybe we don't necessarily have to do it all at once. Do we? we don't have to do it like January first or whatever. Well, we kind yeah. of do because <laughs> because by then we've actually played the hundreds of games that came out in November and December. But have or, we though? As hundreds the question. of them as we get to. Yeah, because we won't be, we won't be playing Sunset Overdrive, which I might like, and we won't be playing. I was Halo, just thinking we if really we could that, but... if we could delay it by like a month or something. Then um, we'd have more chance to play the end of year stuff, and we'd well, be able to play stuff that was in the Steam sale that was woo-woo-woo. right right when it came out. <laughs> it's not um, like we normally manage to get the podcast out on like December thirtieth or January the first or anything. No, <laughs> judging it, by our normal two week schedule, there's a high chance that we'll be two weeks into January before we do the game of the year. To be honest, it more depends on when we're all in the same room because it's better doing that stuff. Or like the epicness of it, it's best doing it when we're all yeah, here. That's the advantage of Christmas, isn't it? Because we're more likely yeah. to be uh, on on holiday and all in Suffolk. Yeah. So as much as I sort of agree with you, Dan, I think we'll be limited by that more. But yeah, yeah. let's just it's podcast talk. I feel like you're in the, you're in this. Uh, Pressured to, of yeah, what you're having you some kind of weird. Buy. It's like, why did you suddenly decide that this was important? I don't know. I sort of get this way every year, don't I? <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, it's it seems. I, I think it seems more important to me this year because everything seems so end loaded. Like I know it always is, but there's like yeah. everything this year is coming out now. Well, that's, been... why, that's why it's so much pressure to play everything right now. Yeah. You know, I, I think if, because otherwise you're going to end up, you'll play everything desperately uh, and then we'll talk about it at Christmas. Uh, you'll probably be halfway through half of it. And then uh, and then the start of next year, I don't know, it might be another dearth of, of stuff. Yeah. You know what don't I mean? Don't really know. Don't really know. I guess I mean, only, you're just going to end up playing I mean, Smash Brothers it. all the time. I mean, you're not going to have time yeah. for anything else. <laughs> well, I'm not so sure because Smash Brothers isn't as good a game solo, is it? Because we only really played Smash well, on Wii U when when we were both around. We were living <laughs> together at the time, so it was you know it was awesome. Every night it would be fire out. Let's go through the campaign. Let's get all the characters. Come on. Well, yeah, but in this case, probably you will have to play some of that of single player to unlock stuff anyway, because then we won't be able. When we're actually, when I'm here, we'll want to play just regular multiplayer, not going through the story campaign unlocking stuff. Well, yeah, co-op ish. I should come over more often. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose I could theoretically come over here every night. <laughs> Go back to the old way of doing things. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but that's that's my thinking anyway. But there is news about Halo. <laughs> yes, back to news. News. Let's get on with this. There is news about Halo. People have been calling it a patch, but I'm not sure you really can. But the day one download for Halo Master Chief Collection is 20 gigabytes. Uh, what the fuck? Mandatory. Well, how big is the game? Uh, well, this is the thing, right? It come. It, they they only they're only shipping a single disc. Right, and that disc isn't big enough to hold the content of four Halo games and the remastered multiplayer. So, what they're actually downloading is the game. <laughs> you, well, yeah, what you're downloading 
is I think some of the Halo Four campaign and all of the new multiplayer. Mm, like all of the new seems multiplayer. Seems like they should have put stuff. some of the multiplayer on the discs because yeah. people are going to want to play the multiplayer immediately. Well, this is the thing. They've, they've done one of those staggered download things. So you can start the game after part of the first disc is installed, but you can only play the camp, well, certain bits, certain starts of the campaign while the rest installs. So they've sort of done, uh, you know, it's kind of nice that they've re, uh, it reminded us, I suppose, that this partial install idea <laughs> exists. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just a bit funny. Like everyone's been saying, well, presumably it's because they just simply don't want to double production costs essentially by shipping two discs. And it's like that. Yeah. Well, well I don't know. They're on Blu-rays, so the Blu-rays hold like sixty gigs or something. So it's. I guess. So I guess they just slightly ran out of space and were like, "Well, fuck it, they can download it." Which is a bit weird. It's a bit harsh. Like, for people, you know, some people have been saying, oh, but what about those, practically everyone who has a download cap or something? Isn't that going to just destroy most people's broadband limits? But what else like, are you going to play that on? Only everything. <laughs> well, yeah, well, if you, if, you, if you ruin your cap, surely you then don't have enough bandwidth to actually play the game. <laughs> I don't know. Only 20 gigs. <laughs> I love that you can say that these days. Yeah, that I mean, for me, that's not a problem. That's like a but, third of a cheap ass broadband cap, like I used to have. Yeah, because I was, I was with sixty. I mean, mine's two hundred and fifty now, but on my fiber. They replaced What's our it? modem, and it works a bit better now. Hey. All kinds of internet problems, which is we working now. Oh. Google Maps works now. Like, I don't know what the fuck was wrong with that router because, like, when really? you zoomed in Google and out, Maps yeah. It just... how did... Well, Google Maps always sucked. Like, even for me, it used to be, like, you'd zoom in or out and then it just, like, half the bits would load. Half the tiles <laughs> don't bother loading. That's why I was... I think that was just a more a problem of Google Maps than anyone's internet. It was just like it was having some kind of weird problem actually streaming, streaming the correct files. I was trying to work... You know, I broke out the dev tools and looked in the network tab and trying to see what, what, what Ajax what was, was making and stuff, but I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. It didn't seem to be making them. So, anyway. I, I'm, I'm tempted to to rig up a large get an, get an actual ethernet cable and just wire the stuff behind my telly properly now about time yeah <laughs> uh, i think latency like cuz the when you do the xbox wifi thing cuz i don't know if anyone's been paying attention to my twitter of late but i was having a bit of a to and fro with xbox support cuz xbox fitness stopped working properly for me for a while okay like the videos just were like only partially displaying like it would cut half of it off or in in one extreme case it was reduced to a tiny corner like and uh so it just wasn't working properly so i ended up i I mentioned it haphazardly on my twitter account and then someone saw the tag yeah someone saw it i I didn't tag it i just said oh xbox fitness is busted (laughs) like with no hashtag or no like uh, referencing anyone and uh, Xbox support noticed it and started contacting me saying, Hey, can you tell us what's wrong? And I'm like, well, yeah. Okay. So I went through this massive process and classically they went through all the shit that you know, isn't going to fix it. Like you tried turning it off and on again. We tried uninstalling and reinstalling it, which I already had and it made it worse. <laughs> the video just stopped displaying at all when I did that. Um, and then they were like, Oh, have you tried using a wired connection? And it's like, well, no, because that's a, quite the hassle to set up. And that was the bit I didn't try. And eventually 
I think fitness patched itself and it's now okay. Um, but as part of the process, and this is the point I was getting to, like they showed you how to do like, oh yeah, if you go to the the settings, there's a way you can get the um, decent decent statistics on how your Wi-Fi is performing. And one of them is a latency figure. And it's like, oh shit, my latency figure is like 150 odd apparently over Wi-Fi. It's like, right. that's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Is that, is that just like peeing the server or is that only internal lag? It's a good question. It's a good question. Because <laughs> if it's only internal lag, that's really bad. Yeah, it, it, presumably it's got to test it against something it knows. So I would hope that it's pinging Microsoft or something, like yeah. just the website somewhere or the Xbox servers, something like that. Um, but maybe that's why I've been having enough problem. You know, I still have connection problems with Titanfall and I still question the hit detection on Titanfall quite a lot. So maybe maybe my latency is a real thing over Wi-Fi. So I'll have to I'm highly tempted to wire it all up. True story. Um and then you can then once you've got one wire in place you can run other wires like running running wires from your computer to your TV and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to do mm-hmm. Well, my plan Just to do bundle that. them into one cable. That's fine. It'll look neat. True. <laughs> well, but actually, uh, run an HDMI cable this time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like like it's, I can't run it properly because it's like opposite corners of my room. I just have to go behind these giant. Um, what, what do you call it? There's already cables down Shelving. there. <laughs> yeah. There's already a few down there. There is mic uh, speaker wires. Yeah. I'll run the HDMI when I actually have an amp that can use it. Is the well, thing. that's true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Halo news. That's that's that. Um, ah, lovers of Kickstarter. Here we go. This is this is Zach's news, really. Here, I don't, why did you preface it with lovers of Kickstarter? Because it's not really that relevant to Kickstarter. <laughs> but it sort of is. Um, Uber Entertainment and Planetary Annihilation. We've been bitching about that for a couple of episodes now. That you know we're not entirely certain it's truly done. And yeah. Yet it came out and stuff, and you know Zach had problems with its balance and some of the tactics and stuff, yada yada yada. And then I think we mentioned it last week that Uber had started uh, a Kickstarter for a new RPG-like game called Human. Sorry, yeah, RTS called uh, Human Resources. Right. Um, Which then naturally everyone got a little bit annoyed about because it's like, but you haven't really finished Planetary Annihilation yet. Mm. It's um, why are you trying to fund a new game now? It's like, it, obviously, like to me, my my you know sensible head is going. Well, you know, they probably have multiple teams. Um, well, that's what like, they said. Obviously, this is a different team also working on the RTS. But then I was like, yes, but it's also an RTS, so therefore, like presumably, they're sharing resources from the team that just made an RTS, right? Right. But you know, outwardly, that's not how it appears. Outwardly, they're just like, yeah, we're making a new R- RTS. Mm. Fuck the last one, is what it feels like. Um, so, yeah, that all happened, except for the fact that Kickstarter didn't get anywhere near its goal. Right. So they pulled it, and, uh, yeah. And they're not I, doing I, that? No, well, <laughs> not that we know of. You know, I don't know whether the project's on hold or something until they try again, or whether people just didn't gel with the idea, or if it is entirely due to the fact that, you know, people w- w- haven't been impressed of how they've handled Planetary Annihilation. The last one, yeah. Yeah. 
which means you can't, it's a lesson and you can't just keep expecting Kickstarter to succeed if you don't live up to your previous you promises. Deliver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have built a game. It's just a bit. Yeah. Well, it's just it's not that good because they screwed up the balance. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. And, uh, and no one, as I say, everyone believes that they don't, that, well, they at least have the impression that it's not finished, that it's not what they promised or something like that. But yeah. They didn't go. Is that what you think, Zeg? Well, they still look ever classic example of the unit cannon that never got in. Right. That they showed for ages in all the like early versions. I mean, it's entirely plausible that you know things get cut for you know decent reasons all the time, but yeah, it's it's always hard to know. They could have cut that for balance. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. But if they cut that for balance, what they did was made the balance much worse, mm. <laughs> as we discussed about the whole orbital attack problem. Yeah. Yep, so that happened. That's news. Uh, in other failures, I suppose, well, not really a failure, <laughs> um, Techland, the original developers of Dead Island, um, who are currently working on Dying Light, which is, you know, also a zombie open world game, but with parkour movement, um, has cancelled their old gen versions of the game. So, like, 360 right. and PS3 versions are no longer coming. Um, it makes no difference to me because I didn't like those games, but I didn't like Dead Island or anything like that, and I had no interest in this at all. But you know, cancellations—never mm. a good thing for people that are looking forward to it. But the game is still coming, but you'll only be able to get it on the bone and the PS4. <laughs> I'm still going to call it the bone. News. Bone news. Uh, yeah. I mentioned PS4 though briefly, so let's jump to the fact that PS4 firmware 2 came out. Indeed. And? It was, well, it introduces the share play functionality. Oh, that they that were they, talking about from the beginning, right? From the launch, yeah. So other people can see what you're up to if you let them, presumably, and potentially take control. Now, mm. uh, so, you know, they were demonstrating this recently, saying, hey, it can. Um, it works, but naturally you'll have a frame rate drop on the receiving side. Like I think it's capped at 30 and 720p. So, you know, it can't broadcast perfectly, but that's to be expected. Um, and at least in the perfect circumstances that people seem to have tried it in, the latency is pretty non-existent. Mm. So, you know, pre- presumably they're leveraging whatever it is they're using with Gaikai to, um, to do some, to pull some of this off. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, isn't there? A lot of crap going down about people saying that firmware two is breaking PS4s. Yeah, it seems like there's been a lot of issues and things, and there's some fixes going around that people have uh, uh, floated on. So what's it? I never like the idea of like some of these fixes that you know community <laughs> fixes that people come up with always sound proper dodgy to me. So, like, so do you remember the old? Community fixes for the red rings or whatever. Yeah, just wrap it in a towel, make it so oh, the yeah. console overheats itself again, and then and then it'll be okay. Really? So this is uh, if you have updated your PS4 to the new version and then you can't wake it up from rest mode, so it's constantly blinking an orange light, and if you attempt to power it on or press the button on the controller, it doesn't work. So, so is that what the they call old... their standby state? Rest okay, apparently rest mode. So. What right. you've got to do is power down the console for holding down the button for seven seconds, 
and then you have to engage safe mode by holding the power button for another seven seconds, and then you can select an option oh, on the screen to reinstall so can... the firmware update, and then you can fix it. So it must be like a fuck up or something in the mm. in the firmware. I'll, I'll give Sony their due. Like they they did this with the PS3 as well. In that you know it, when things go wrong, there are ways of bringing the console back to life that you yeah. can do yourself. Like there was a glitch I had with my PS3 at one point where I couldn't get it to detect my HDMI, um, and I think it was trying to use some other video format, um, but when you boot the console, there's a way of um, forcing it to go into a, um, a video setup phase. Um, and cool. when you do that, it found my HDMI again and everything was happy. Oh, cool. Um, That's good. Rather than having to... So, oh, no, it's red ring. You have to send it back to my... Yeah, I need to send it to someone to get it to go into a reset state so I can therefore get it to work again. So they do think about these situations or at least give you a way out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but you know you shouldn't fuck up in the first place. <laughs> you know the classic, yeah. classic, classic problem. You shouldn't test fuck your up. firmware before you release it. <laughs> anyway, cool. Uh, so that's what's happened with that. Other um, PlayStation Four news. Oh, they indefinitely delayed the Drive Club PS Plus edition, the free demo trial. Oh, like really? You want to call it? They've just said, "Fuck it, that's not going to happen for an indefinite amount of time until we can actually get the normal game working." Wow. <laughs> Well, that implies they're having really... Either it's not selling well enough to justify them fixing their server issues. Well, it was... Or, I mean, they've already promised the this trial version because it's like it's a PS Plus thing. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's part of them paying for PS Plus, I guess. Except not really because, you know, everyone, you know, you're just paying for PS Plus regardless, I suppose. I guess, yeah. For the other stuff. not the, You're not just buying into it just for that, probably. No, well, yeah. But in most cases. But yeah, so they promised that at some point. Now you're not going to get it for an, an unknown amount of time. I guess, the, yeah, I suppose you're right. Like Maybe the game hasn't sold very well because the messaging around the PS Plus version has been pretty crap. Yeah. It? It's like, well, no one really knew what it was going to be. And then at one point they said it was just going to be a bit like the GT prologues. And then, so, like, a bunch of people were probably waiting for that as a sort of a trial version to see whether yeah, they wanted to buy the game. Exactly. And then they, and then it sort of came out, and they sort of said, yeah, "Well, yeah, it's it's out, and it's sort of it's most of the game, <laughs> or it's a rather large set of the game, but it's not all of the game, and you'll need to buy the game to get the rest of it." And then the game came out itself with a ton of stuff missing. Yeah, that they have said they will patch in for free, and it's like all of this seems quite messy. So. I'm not surprised if it's not selling, like regardless of the quality of the game, just because of all of that. Um, and then I'm also somewhat surprised, but I am surprised that if that is the case, that they're not trying to rectify it. Like if the money's not there, then maybe they don't have any support or any funding to sort out their server issues. Or maybe they've someone in marketing has realised, oh, maybe PS Plus is the reason we're, this is fucked up. It's not like yeah. it's not like PS Plus ever had any impact on it because there wasn't that demo. No, no, no. But maybe people waiting for the PS Plus edition is why it hasn't sold. Da, 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 all that. And... Yeah, but they're not going to get those people to buy buy it by not having the PS Plus edition anymore. <laughs> no, it's it's a mess. Basically, the, the way Drive Club has been handled again, regardless of the quality of the game, because I, I can't really comment on that. A horrible mess. Yep. So, yeah, sucks to be them, I guess. Yep, pretty much. 
yeah. Well, that's going to Smash Bros. news. <laughs> Is that next on your list? Do I? Smash Bros. news. Yeah, do I? There's an eight player mode. Let me say that again. There's an eight, There's an eight player, player mode. mode. Is that only in online? Because presumably you can't plug eight controllers well, into the. No, no, <laughs> you can. No, I you just can, saw the setup for it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's crazy. Everything. It's crazy. Like, because it will support like up to seven Wiimotes at a time. So if you're playing Wiimote style, and who does? Yeah. Then you can exactly. handle it. But the, I think, I can't remember how many, like, the, I think the console can handle like four pro controllers at once. So you could have four GameCube controllers, a, a, maybe some pros, maybe the gamepad. It's like there there are ways of doing it, but it's kind of nuts. Uh, so they've said that it will only be supported with a certain. I think they said it was only going to be supported on some stages and certain modes. Like maybe some of the stages are too visually complicated to then handle eight players sodding around on it, or maybe it's like limited to the bigger stages to make it I don't know somewhat sensible. Maybe. Just the fact that this exists is insane. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's pretty insane. I think it's that crazy. They could have done it ages ago in, in online mode. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe maybe they've done it. Maybe they have done it there, but, you know, I, I can't remember them. I didn't see that they mentioned online, but... I saw someone mention in Smash Brothers related stuff that's... A, I guess I haven't been paying attention since before the 3DS version even came out, but I heard someone comment that the the roster is the same in both games. Like, there are not going to be any different characters. Except that's... I don't think that's true. <laughs> so what do you know that's different? I don't know if this is going into spoiler territory, but I know of one character, at least, that I don't think is in the 3DS version that has now been somewhat confirmed for the Wii U version. And that's the return of Mewtwo. Okay. Is it not? Is it? Is it not a Lucario skin? That's the question. <laughs> well, a Mewtwo always handled pretty differently. It, it, it did, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily stop them from <laughs> just making it a skin. No, that's, that's quite true, I suppose. Because they did basically have the same moves. It's just Mewtwo's more more floaty on yeah, jumping. His movement was weird, and his attacks were generally more powerful, weren't they? Like they didn't, you didn't need to do the. Well, Lucario had the like the aura charge, so like yeah. your, it was related to your damage percentage or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Mewtwo was just, you know, that all the time. Yeah. So according to this, that um, the w- the GameCube controller adapter takes two plugs into two USB ports, right? Yeah. But the Wii U actually has four. Reasons. It's got two on the front and two on the back, so you can plug two oh, of so the adapters you can plug in, two adapters in, and then oh. you can plug eight GameCube controllers in and have a gamepad if you want as well. <laughs> If that works, then yeah, great. Well, it does. I'm looking at a picture of it right here with the, at a Nintendo event press conference I saw, thing. Yeah. Weirdly, I sort of assumed that perhaps the console would only be able to detect one of those adapters at a time. Like, because, no, apparently you know, two works. Technical... Oh, That's awesome. a whole fuck ton of cables, though, isn't it? When <laughs> you've got yeah. wired controllers and then they're all and plugged it, in. Who the hell's going to have eight controllers? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. How many have we got between <laughs> us? Well, I've got four here. Two of which need some more repair. But <laughs> they should have made it have support for the for the for the um, Game Boy Advance cable, and then you can have a little screen on top of your oh, that, would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it was so dumb. <laughs> that would be amazing. But the, again, like, there'd be the tech. Or if they supported like two outputs to two game pads, that whole thing. Like, you know, the actual Wii U controller. Right, yeah. If they did that, or even with the, the 30 frame cap or frame cap, they could do that or something. But, but no one's done that yet, have they? Like, they, Nintendo said that you could, you have, could theoretically do have it. Have yeah. two game pads, but no one's done it yet. Because who's going to buy another game pad? Yeah. Can you even buy a gamepad separately? Probably not. Not, not until there's actually not a reason. Not until there's a reason, yeah. So yeah, Smash Brothers news. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And the, you know, the sort of good news, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the uh um the pricing of the bundles that include the the GameCube adapter are really reasonable. Like it only adds like a fiver to the price if you buy it in the bundle pack. Oh cool. Nice. So it's yeah, awesome deal. Definitely the way to go. How much are the are the special remade GameCube controllers going to cost? I don't know. I haven't actually. I'm not sure I've actually seen any listed officially. Hmm. Um, or, or it's hard to tell whether they're an official listing because it's like I don't think they they might be branded with the whoever's helping Nintendo make them. Right. I don't know. Well, on the um, front of them, they have the Smash Brothers logo on fire. That seems to be the branding. Okay. Oh right. You know I have seen those then. Oh, I can't remember the price of them. But I already have four controllers, so, you know. Not, not, yeah. Well, as you just said, two of them are fucked, right? <laughs> like, well, I've sue-grooved the, the sticks, but I need to cut a bit of rubber off them because there's a bit of rubber getting in the way of the sticks having full motion. Right. Once I cut that off, that should hopefully be sorted. Because I, stupid, I, yeah, I stupidly thought I could just put sugar around the whole... Um, <laughs> thing and the rubber would stay in place and it would still be okay you know I, I don't know why I thought this is a really bad idea because the rubber just fell out and uh, is now just sat lower down on the thing creating a um, a sort of uh, a blocker to when you move the stick the actual shaft is now encased in rubber so it gets stuck by the the, the eight notches I guess on the hmm. GameCube controller design so yeah I just need to cut that rubber off It'll be fine. I think I just didn't like the idea of cutting something to, like, when I was so. maintaining this. Yeah. Yeah. But now I have to. And other unexpected news, I suppose. I totally didn't expect Sega to release Valkyria Chronicles on the PC. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they have. Or going, or going to, yeah. I mean, Do it's you ever awesome. to finish because that, that um, Rob? Because that last no, I did so not. Stupid. No, I did not. And we spent given, hours. Yeah, and I've given my borrowed copy back now, so it will never happen. That'll be my job. I'll get the PC version, and then I'll just yeah. beat it and be like, just, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but the thing, I, I didn't have the yep. patience to go back to previous levels and grind it out to level my team up to the point where I think I could have done it. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I was underpowered for that fight. Fight um, me, yeah. And the only other missions I had left to do were really hard. The ones I hadn't done yet um, were pretty difficult or had really awkward conditions. So I never did those either. And so basically didn't go back to the game. But it's great that they're re-releasing it and more people will get the chance to play it because it is, I think it's a fantastic game. Um, and it's just, And it's a sort of a shame they then went to the Vita with the sequels, you know. Uh, not the Vita, PSP. Well, Sorry. PSP and Vita. 
I was like done a beta version as well now. Maybe. maybe. Or has it just been like one of those ones that works on the beta, maybe? Yeah. Still, that's awesome. They're not as awesome as them making a proper sequel on console, but you know, still awesome. And finally, we were just slightly confused by the existence of toy box turbos, which I don't know. That's kind of worth mentioning as Codemasters are making it, and it looks a lot like Micro Machines, but obviously they can't call it Micro Machines. Why not? Yeah. Who else has the license? Well, they just don't want to pay for it, I guess. Maybe they sell it to like people who wanted to make mobile games out of the Micro Machines license. Do you think they'd just keep it and make Micro Machines games and make a mint out of like idiots paying for like crappy iPhone Micro Machines? Well, this is the thing. It looks a bit mobilely in design. From how, from what we were watching, it seemed, right. uh, I don't know, and we weren't so sure about the handling. The handling doesn't look slidey enough, right? Like, it's like ever since, machines is slidey. That's the thing. It's it was like four was like that as well, where it's just like as soon as they went, as soon as they got into modern ages, I suppose, because Mega Machines three was quite a long fucking time ago. Yeah, but it's like they they moved into like weirdly. It's it's something to do with the animation as well, but it's like griffy and everything tilts crazily. Oh, Whereas, like, I did kind of do that, even in three. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Only in some of the vehicles. Yeah, not not all of them, but yeah, some. But it's like Mario Machines Three was all about extreme power slides, like you'd go yeah. like miles across the <laughs> screen. Well, even even in the original Micro Machines, it's like pretty. You didn't really grip at all, did you? you when you turned, you were sliding. Yeah. all the time. <laughs> What, that was what we tried to replicate in our Games Factory-esque rebuilds of Mike yeah. <laughs> Except I guess when you're in the, like, the dump truck things, you couldn't really slide that. Well, yeah, <laughs> it depends on like the speed and the grippiness of the specific yeah. vehicle. But yeah, it just looks like it's too like it's too like it sort of like on a rail where like, you're like rit, rit, and you're just like turning and it turns yeah, it <laughs> instead like, of turning ahead of where you want to turn and sliding casually. And it also looked like they were moving away from the old formula that you know every race is for a specific car. Yeah, well, they it did that like in 4 as well, didn't they? Like, pretty much. Yeah, within limits. Like, you could pick stuff within a class bracket, yeah. I guess, that was similar enough that it didn't really make any difference. But... So, I don't know. Like, are they sticking to the bracket system, or are they... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure Codemasters is doing that well for itself these days, because I don't <laughs> well... think... Autosport really sold. No. Or, you know, it didn't set the world on fire. Even though people say it's like, it kind of is what Grid 2 should have been, but some of its, like, menu aesthetics were wildly cut down. And I mean, that that in-car mode was basically an insult. I don't know why they even put that in or even mentioned it. Like, Mm. do you know what I mean? Anyway, never mind. Yeah, the whole thing was kind of bonkers. And then the F1 game, they've got some kind of stopgap game where they're working on a decent one, so they've shitted out a poor one, right? And everyone gave it bad reviews. Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear that. Yeah, there's some yes. deal with it where it's like, oh, 20, F1 2015 20, like, just suddenly appeared pretty much. Yeah. Oh, really? Kind of poopy, and yet they're making a, like a next-gen one or something. Is that right? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard about the next-gen one, but so this isn't a next... The one no, you're they, talking about just came out on current consoles for some reason. Or, yeah, I mean, for some reason. 360. They poop one out for some reason. <laughs> anyway. It's been a bad year for them, hasn't it, really, yeah, I guess? Because, you know, a, a, well, with the, with the exception of Autosport, I guess. But 
Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, a friend of mine from thing. university has left. He was working for them on Autosport and he's left now. Mm. What happened, Cody's? What happened? <laughs> well, they're coming back with micro machines. Wait, no. Toybox mm. Turbo. They'll be right. They just need Dirt 4 and they'll be sorted. I mean, no problem. Yeah, pretty much. Especially yeah, now they've split out. An next Dirt game and they'll be there. If they split out all the Hoonigan crap and and, and and all that Jim Carner stuff into into their alternate series, Dirt, what was it called? Showdown. Showdown. Then they can concentrate on actual. It'll be actually Colin McRae rally again, which would be awesome. Yeah, make, making rally and racing again would be good. Although I still think Dirt Two is the best. Time to bring that retarded deformable terrain, surely. <laughs> what do tr- try and do what Sega Rally did? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got to be, that's got to be like the next step in tech for dirt racing, isn't it? Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it was it was a cool idea, and Sega Rally did do a pretty good job of it. But, you know, given the the time that it came out, it yeah. was it's kind of neat. Yeah, I, I, still, I, really I mean, there's always that. there's been like. There was that Spin Tires game, which is yeah. like, that was like practically an indie game, and they did like pretty cool physics yeah. of driving. I mean, in place and that would be where you got to go. Surely, would be like actual physics, better physics modeling. Yeah. Surely, there is the time. Yeah, spin, spin tires is weirdly impressive, even despite the sort of strange, like you know, it doesn't look perfect graphically at times. No, but it's, it's a difficult good. thing to pull off. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's I'm not sure it's been that good. It's pretty amazing that thing. Have you yeah. actually played any of that, Zach? No. No, I've been tempted. Once it gets cheaper, maybe, maybe really Christmas fun. sale or something. Yeah, is it like full price or something? I don't think it's full price, but no, it's I not cheap enough. Out, I think it came out with like 20 quid when it launched yeah. or something. Right, fair enough. Yeah. And it's still work in progress, isn't it? It's not... Uh, I don't know what this situation of it actually is. Because bits of the UI look like it needed work. And... <laughs> but that's like every indie game yeah. at some point. <laughs> Spend more time on the actual game. I think that's probably fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's that weird aesthetic where it's it, it's a you know it's a game about mud and and getting your truck out of mud, but for some reason it's set in Soviet Russia and stuff. And it's got well, <laughs> naturally. Where else are you going to have tons and tons of mud roads? They could have right, yeah. set it in Canada, maybe. I guess that's the expansion. I, I quite liked how it handled. Have you seen like how it do, deals with wa- the water in the streams and stuff? Kind like how it's how they've sort of modelled the physics of the water, water sort of swishing against yeah, the and building yeah. up a little bit and stuff. It's like that's oh, cool. It be. That's awesome. Yeah, as a surprising yeah, I was I was surprised when just how competent that game seemed <laughs> when I saw it. So I was expecting it to just be another sort of ultra shit version of Euro Truck somehow. <laughs> like, but no. Not that there's anything wrong with the Euro Truck Simulator, necessarily. No, as, as Kippers will gladly tell us, he got way into that. Well, he's, he's just purchased and started playing Farming Simulator, so... Oh, no! Prepare for farms! No, but that, that is shit, though, isn't it? Farming Simulator isn't, like, proper, like, Truck Simulator. I'm trying... It's like, aren't they releasing a, next, a version of that for the next-gen consoles soon? Or yeah. I'm, I'm trying to work out, like, what is... Because it's, like, in, in, in Euro Truck Simulator... That's like 
inherently less of an actual complex game. Because it's like a farm simulator, there's actual, actually different things to do. Whereas in Eurotruck Simulator, you're just driving to a place. Yeah. Right. And yet somehow Eurotruck Simulator seems more fun. In our, yeah, in, in some way, you could argue that perhaps Farming Simulator could make more of a game out of it. Like the success of your farm, perhaps, could actually be modelled. Yeah. You know? But they're not doing anything they, like that, no. No, I, I, don't I don't think they've actually made a game out of the farming. It's just like, you, they just let you drive a tractor. <laughs> it's like a toy box, basically, with tractors in it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But it's, it's not like there's any game to your attractions. Like, right. I mean, like, it's like you can level up and you can earn money to buy trucks and then theoretically you can set up a company and have like AI-controlled trucks. Yeah. But no one ever does that. It's all about just driving from one place to another. Yeah. And then maybe online, which isn't even actually the, in the official game, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, if they, if they went as far as having some kind of uh, do you remember? I want to say that like the perfect model maybe for Euro Truck would be someone setting up something like how do you remember the, how freelancer multiplayer worked? Right. You know, small servers with a certain number of players in it. You know, because you wouldn't. Well, I, don't, I don't think you could open Euro Truck up to like everyone because it would just be crowded. With, <laughs> well, yeah, there'd be have a bit of, some amount of limit on how yeah, many you overcrowded in some way. But yeah, maybe if they fit that model and like everyone picks a home base or something and then. They're trying to trade against each other or something and become some sort of interesting economic game, then you know, perhaps there's something to that. I don't know. Perhaps it just needs to have more, I don't know, meta structure, I don't know, rather than the actual driving. The driving seems like as good as the, you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you just drive. Yeah. That's all you do. And listen to the, the radio station. I still think that was an awesome idea on their part to like have the like actual radio, um, actual European web radio, right? Yeah, sort of in- integrated in the game. That's a great idea. Pretty cool. Right, Although, where are we? I still can't get that Twitch video. Like the one thing I think that's still in Rick's Twitch archives or something, where it's like. Kippers has no time for fools. <laughs> yeah. it's just, he doesn't realise for ages that he's just pushing a car. <laughs> awesome. Because obviously the camera angle means that you don't you necessarily see, see what's right yeah. in front of you. I'd like to think in real life you'd notice if you were shoving a lady <laughs> along in front of you. Yeah, I think there might be some uh, handling or power problems. <laughs> yeah, or some sound related yeah, to that. Yeah, sound like of screeching doom. Sound. Oh, man. It's got Felix Doe in it. You know, that, that, this might be the first game to ever have Felix Doe in it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's probably some train simulator games there. Feature or Felix flight Doe. simulators. Maybe. It's like World War II. It's relatively important. Maybe not Felix Doe, but some other places around here. The Felix. The Stowe. <laughs> that doesn't work. The Stowe is way too the Stowe on common. Felix. Yeah. The stove of Felix and the stove of Market. <laughs> is, that the end of, is that the end of news? That's the end of news. And it's time for what you've been playing. Are we sure about that? Rob has yes. made no commitment about this. I, I am useless. Okay. <laughs> what have you been playing, Rob? What have I been playing? Yeah. Well, I thought I heard rumours that you may I, have been playing a new title. <laughs> well, not exactly. Not exactly. So, I have now purchased the Bayonetta 2 Special Edition. Ooh. Which comes with 
The original Bayonetta. <laughs> so that's um, what you meant by it. So I've been playing the original Bayonetta. Okay. Because yeah, um, I, thought, I thought I'd better go through that first and then work my way up to it. Um, okay. I don't think I'll uh, spend much time like replaying it or anything, getting into it. Cause I, 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 let me just, yeah, let me, let me tell the first. So first thing, first pleasant surprise was, is that I thought the special edition of Bayonetta 2 was going to come with a disc copy of Bayonetta 2 and a download code for Bayonetta 1. Okay. Um, I thought that was how Nintendo had messaged it, that it was going to work. But pleasantly, no, actually it's just two, uh, like Bayonetta 1's on a disc. So right. it doesn't have to fill up all of my remaining Wii U hard drive space. So you just stick it in and go. Yep, just put the disc in and go, which is great. And uh, so, yeah, and it's it's the port seems pretty good. Um, so for, I I don't know a great deal about like how the 360 version handled and stuff, but from what I've been reading, like the 360 version was pretty much perfect all the time. Like, so 60 frames per second all the time, no frame drops. And the PS3 version was a terrible port, as far as people are that it had some stuttering issues. Um, And for the most part, the Wii U version is pretty good. Um, It does, unfortunately, suffer a bit in some stages, especially towards the end of the game. Um, Like, especially in the final, final third of the game, where things get super crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there are some moments where frame rate does become an issue. Um, it doesn't drop too low, and it has one of those frame rate uh, styles where the game actually slows down with the frame rate. Like everything seems frame tied, right? Um, so even if the frame rate drops, you're actually probably making the game easier for yourself because you can see right. what's going on a bit easier. Because man, holy shit balls, that game is fast and hard. Mm. Yep, Japanese. Yeah, because I was playing it on normal mode, which is the recommended to do it, because if you put it on like easy or very easy, it sort of automates, I think, some of the combo and dodge mechanics for you. Mm. Um, so I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to get the full experience. And it is breakneck, like how fast they introduce concepts to you, like in mm. enemies and new attack patterns. And it is, man, I, I think I stumbled through the first eight hours of playing that game because it is just so hard. I didn't think I didn't grasp what was or how to properly play it until after, as I say, after that point, until I reached the final third of the game. And then I started to sort of understand or just get good enough to the point where I could actually, okay, this is why I'm, this is doesn't work. And this is why this works. Okay. And these are the combos I should be using. Mm-hmm. Um, something started to click mm-hmm. before that. I think I was getting, I was sort of enjoying the spectacle, but a little frustrated with the mechanics. Yeah, because it's, you just can't get it to do exactly what you're... I, I, the game is bad at teaching you. Yeah. It just, it, again, probably the old Japanese Devil May Cry thing, it just drops you in and goes, okay, here's the basics of how you can do things, but then doesn't tell you what's a good way of doing things. Mm. And it's up to you to then figure that out. Figure and how that out, yeah. Everything comes out. And... Of course, you don't really get a lot of time to apply any of any learning or any of that stuff because it's just throwing new stuff at you all the time. Yeah, um, like I was saying last time about how I spent ages just in that graveyard at the start because that's the only place where you can like practice shit before it starts yeah. moving. And it's a pretty good good idea to do so. I didn't do that. I just kept I sort of plowed through, and then when I got to about two thirds through, it's like right, okay, but you know, I'm going to go back and try some of the early chapters again just to see if I'm actually improving. <laughs> Because I wasn't sure. Yeah. 
Um, and it turns out that I was. I was sort of pleasantly surprised when I went back and played like the first couple of chapters again. It's like, no, actually, that was quite a lot easier. So I, I must be getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you're unlocking new abilities, you know, new skills and stuff like that. And there's one accessory in particular you really need to gun for because it makes everything so much easier. Um, there's one accessory you can equip that means whenever you get hurt, which time gets activated automatically. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's worth saving for. It's expensive. It's like it's a hundred thousand halos, and you can hope to get like twenty thousand halos a chapter or something. So you need to kind of mainline for that if you're going for it. Mm. Um, but once you get it, um, yeah, your life becomes a lot simpler because basically every time you get hit, you get a chance to counterattack. So it's or to dodge combos. There's there's one enemy in particular that was winding me up something rotten for ages, and you might know the, the Grace and Glory pair, like those oh, right. clawed gorilla things, because they are unbelievably fast. Mm. Like their attacks have very little, um, I don't know, very little cue for you to figure out when you're supposed to dodge and stuff. Um, you basically then then have to. They force you to learn the dodge offset tactic, which is kind of cool once you get the hang of it, in that. So the mechanics of Bayonetta are that you can dodge at any time. If yeah. you're like in the middle of a combo, if you're in the middle of a, you, there's no animation wait. You can just dodge whenever you want, which is great. I love that. Um, the only time you can't dodge is when you're already dodging. <laughs> so the timing of the dodging is the most important mechanic in that game. And so you eventually, once you learn dodge offset, it's it's great because you can do the type in the first command for a move dodge but if you do that whilst you're still holding down the button the last co- you know attack button you pushed mm. you can pick up the combat the combo exactly where you left off so if you're gunning for like the wicked weave attacks where your hair turns into the giant fist or stiletto or yeah big version of your sword whatever you're using um you can keep going for it so you can punch dodge kick dodge punch again and get the wicked weave punch in as part of the combo and it's like, that's great, because you can then, when you start to learn, okay, I can do that all the time against against enemies I'm bad at. So just attack, dodge, attack, dodge, attack, dodge. Be dodging all the time. Always be dodging. Always be dodging. And then you're more likely to avoid getting accidentally fucked. Because those guys really annoyed me for ages, because, again, because of their speed and because it's impossible to tell. It, and I'm playing it a bit like Devil May Cry, where stun lock is more of a effective tactic. Um I don't know. It feels like in Bayonetta, more enemies have the ability to even just knock you out of a combo um, at any point they feel. Um, or that actually just wailing on them for ages doesn't actually stop them from doing an attack. Um, mm. Which confused me for ages, because I'm mashing attack, expecting, okay, this guy's in a combo, that means he's not going to be able to do anything. That's so not true. They can just attack back. Um, and of course, it makes it harder to see the cues if you're attacking them at the time because everything is so flashy and effect driven and stuff is happening everywhere all the time. Actually seeing their cues in the middle of that is really hard. So at least if you always be dodging, <laughs> you've got some chance. Um, and also those Grace and Glory guys have a sort of like an attack that's basically does half your health worth of damage if you don't spot it coming like they'll mm. scoop you into the air and if you don't have the stuff happens when and you don't have the auto witch time they'll scoop you in the air and you get stunned into two or three more hits that you can't do anything about 
Um, and that does half your health worth of damage. Yeah. And it's, so. it's rough. Mm. I think the game really could have benefited from having more health pickups, at least in normal mode. And maybe when you play it through in hard or very hard, then you don't get so many of them. Maybe that would make sense. I felt because like, it's, yeah. it, you basically never get health pickups except yeah. on in random fights where everyone seems to drop them. <laughs> it's kind of arbitrary. And the same is true of witch time actually as well. Like certain enemies, it's practically impossible to get a witch time against because they changed the rules as to whether or not you can or can't get it. Or the timing has to be so unbelievably precise to get it. And so that becomes real confusing as well. Um, so I'm bitching as I normally do, but it is like, it is fun. Yeah. And it is pretty great. And you have to say something for the style and stuff. The style is cool. You get into it. I didn't think it would necessarily be my thing at first, but it's definitely weird it. at first. Like, like that weird English character. What's his name? Did the, like, <coughs> does he have a monocle or something? I can't remember. I'm getting him no. mixed up, aren't I? The bloke. What, what little, um, Enzo. Who's like? I guess so. Yeah. But there's Enzo, who's the little short dude, who's supposed to be the comic relief at the start of the game. I guess right. he's basically just an idiot. Like yeah. he's not funny at all. And no, not funny. Danny DeVito type. Yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And you've got Rodan, who's the the black guy from Hell or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> just sells you stuff. Um, oh yeah, that guy's cool. <laughs> yeah. But he he drops. Ugh. This is one of the great things about the whole... The game is basically a massive love letter to Sega as well, and mm. that there's so many references, and some of them are pretty awesome. Like, yeah, I suppose... I, doesn't, I, don't, I don't really have to worry about spoiler territory this late... <laughs> this, like, five years Probably after not. its release, I guess. Um, the Space Harry a bit came as a cool surprise. Yeah. And he's just like, get ready! <laughs> like, for some reason, in the old Space Harrier style. And before that sequence begins, she makes a reference to Fantasy Zone. <laughs> it's like, it's awesome! I'm just sitting there going, shit, yeah! I'm Sega. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be a bunch of Nintendo references in the new one. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder. I do wonder. So that's the thing that they've added to the port. Because I think they, they, they've had to take out some of the leaderboard stuff that used to be in the, the Xbox version. Um, you don't get None of that exists, but there's, um, they've added four costumes, um, based on Nintendo themes. And I thought they might change the way that you play, but they don't really. Um, apparently they might do in two. Yes, I've heard one thing about the Star Fox outfit that you get in Bayonetta 2 that apparently you must play on the last level and there will be something amazingly awesome. Cool. It is. To the point where people are calling it the best Easter egg ever. <laughs> I know I don't know what that is. I just know how to do it, like what you have to do to get to it. And so I can probably guess what it might be. Yeah, I can. I, given what's happened <laughs> in this game, I think I now know exactly what's going to happen. But um, noises. <laughs> so yeah, I had a good time of it. I, I I much more enjoyed it the last you know four hours or so of it. Once I start things started clicking. Um, but it it does it does need to tell you more about what's coming up and how to do things. Yeah. If it did that, then I think it would be a much better game than what it is. To the point where it's 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 flawed enough to the point where I am a little bit confused why the initial reviews for the first Bayonetta were all like oh, eights and nines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
the, one of the most annoying things it does is that fights can sometimes start with an enemy already throwing an attack. Yeah. And because the the start is so sudden, you just have to basically be pressing the dodge button the moment the fight starts, which is extra annoying if you skip a cutscene. Yeah. Like, which is replaying a section. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, the, like, the, when it starts is a little unclear. So you like, just mash the dodge button until the fight starts or something. And then, uh, I think that's real, re- really bad. Um, I also think the hit zones on certain, especially on the bosses, are, can be really unclear. Um, there's a, a conceptually awesome boss in the middle of the sea. Um, and there's one attack it does in particular where it sort of jumps out of the water in classic sta- classic fashion and tries to like land on you, but it's super easy to dodge. Mm. And it's, I thought it would be a, an interesting tactic to try and get under its arc of its jump and see if I can hit it while it's in flight. Yeah. Except it seems that the hitbox for all of, for, for when it hits the water is basically the entire length of its body. Right. So you can be underneath it with nothing Touching. remotely near you and you'll get hurt. Right. And it's like, fuck's sake. And yeah. there, there are a few moments like that throughout the game where I'm just like, oh, come on. Or certain sequences where it doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do. Like there's a bit at the end where you're supposed to be dodging planets. Except the first time I did it, I assumed I was supposed to be dodging planets. So I dodged the first one, but the hitbox for it was too big, so I failed. And I'm like, okay, am I supposed to be hitting the planets? So I did it again, drove straight into Pluto, <laughs> whatever it was, died, and was like, okay, so I am supposed to be dodging the planets? It's, yeah, it has flaws. And but annoyingly, they're all flaws that probably could have been ironed out had someone tried, you know. Or, so, cat, stop making all that noise. Right, it's not going. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have taken long to sort some of these, or to have some sort of prompt, right, or something. Oh, and d- d- fucking quick time events in the middle of cutscenes. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah. Well, that was a, a product of the time, I think. I don't think you'll get that now. But the window is, it, it would be fine, but the window for them is so small and they're always insta-kill. Like, mm. you know, they'll, they'll have a long sequence of a boss sort of like dying or something. Rah, and then suddenly something will explode and then it'll be like, jump! And they'll be like, oh shit, I took my hands off the controller. I thought this was a victory scene. Yeah. And it's like, but, and then you get there just in time to press it, just for the prompts to go off screen for you to die. Mm. And it's like, oh, I've got to do most of that sequence again. Sucks. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. That's obviously bad. Everyone knows they're bad. Hopefully. But then, but then simultaneously, go. there are a few of the cutscenes where there's an insane fight going on. And it's like, I wish I was involved in this in some way. Mm. Perhaps then, like, a quick time sequence would have been okay. Or perhaps just give you the fight to do. Yeah. But I, I, I did enjoy my time with it. It is a cool game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to playing. I haven't started playing Bayonetta 2 yet, but right. I'm pretty looking forward to it simply because everyone that said anything about this is that they've taken the structure of the first game, but taken everything that was bad out and left only the good. Awesome. So if all of what I've just said doesn't exist... And I'm going to be a very, very happy player. Awesome. Cool. Well, you'll give us the report on that. But yeah, it, it drew me in. It drew, it really, and you know, I, I, I think game, drawers I think. And, yeah, I think draw is a really important thing. And this really did draw me in. Like, I really wanted to keep going. And oh, I should talk about the, about the other cool thing they did with the Nintendo costumes. Like, 
If you play as the Princess Peach costume, all the halos are replaced with Mario coins. They go ding when you pick them up. And the wicked weaves turn into Bowser fists. <laughs> it's like it's just it's just awesome to see. And like the Metroid character, they don't change a lot of, except for the fact that when you fire the gun, she's firing her arm cannon instead of the pistols. Mm. And it makes a different noise and everything. It's cool. It's cool that they added that stuff. It's awesome. The game is the game is really pure fan service, but it's very, very good at it. Well, and then it's, I should point out the story does kind of blow as well because it makes no fucking sense. No, no. If you, if, even if you stop to think about trying to work out what's going on, it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, how would witches 500 years ago have pistols and stilettos? I like it. Yeah. It's but like there's a- time travel. There is time travel at one point as well because you're like looking after yourself as a little girl or something. That you put back in the past, but then how did she get to the future, and why are you doing this? And it's just a, like a weird bad anime, basically. Why? Yeah. Why is does your dad want to absorb your child self? And what? You know, what the fuck is going on? I... <laughs> it's unbelievably all over the place. But there just comes a point where you just don't care, and it's like. Mm. It, it's too crazy, is what I'm saying. It's too nonsensical. You watch everything just to have your mind go, eh? And then every subsequent time, it's like, nope, I'm going to skip everything now. You know, second time you play it, you will not watch any of those scenes again. I promise you. Mm. But then you'll have to be ready with the dodge button for when you're skipping them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, cool. But yeah, playing out of one, cool game. Cool. Okay, uh, and I will be playing Bayonetta 2, provided I don't get too distracted by Call of Duty, which comes out on Monday. Mm. So, preparations for Call of Duty. Uh, yeah. We'll have a report on that for certain. You're not going to a stupid launch, are you? No, no, no. I've got, I've, I've, I've got a pre-order this time. It's like a, like a postal pre-order. So, okay. No, no launch deals for me. It's partly because, as well, Kippers isn't going to go to one because he does his digital thing now. Because he buys everything digitally, because him and Jeremy can play it simultaneously, because right. they're in the in the same house and they've got the that Xbox family sharing thing set up. So, so it's all digital all the time. Yeah, to him it makes more financial sense to go digital. Um, cool. And I don't think anyone's offering any crazy launch deals this year. You know, that's the second year in a row. I think they've just given up on that idea. Mm. The second year in a row, they haven't done it. Um, Oh, I suppose that is news, actually. Call of Duty news. This is also the second year in a row that pre-order sales are dramatically lower for Call of Duty. You think it's the fragmented market with the new consoles again? That could be, could be. But this is just total sales. Like, it's just down. Um, right. Well, it's not trade, so, I suppose. So. Hmm. No, well, this is Sledgehammer this time, you know. Yeah. So maybe Blops was the... Um, is the peak of the series and maybe it's all downhill from here. Who knows? But, you know, in theory, next year is Black Ops 3, although it's, I don't think it's been officially announced. But I think it will be Black Ops 3, won't it? Yeah. yeah I, I'm pretty certain it is. But I think it's been leaked at some point, but it's not not official. Um, so maybe that will be the resurgence of Call of Duty. I don't know. Not that it really needs it. It's still selling shit tons. It's just yeah. that it's declining, hmm. which is interesting. Uh, yeah. Anything so else you've been doing? playing? Uh, 
as promised, I did go back to Awesome Noughts after yep. after Zach and I played it for a video. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it got me back in, and I still fucking love that game. I don't know. It's just it's just fun to play, even when things are going badly. It's still fun. Um, I don't know. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, go play Awesome Noughts. Yeah, go play Awesome. <laughs> I don't really have a lot to say about it. I, you know, cool. Zach did sort of say that he might be interested in giving it a go at the end of the video. Did I have that? Yeah, I did. So have I, could I get you into this? And you're like, yeah, maybe. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll follow up on that at some point, I'm sure. Um, and I think, I'm trying to think what else I've been playing, really. Um, not a great deal else. Um, I did go back to Titanfall to see really? what was happening. Yeah, the game that infamously lacks the draw. Yeah, well, the reason why I went back to it is that the the deals with gold have um, had the season pass for like a fiver for all the new maps, and I'm like, okay, that's actually a pretty good deal. Um, I'm gonna get all of the all of the all the maps, um, and so I did. And the new maps are a bit of a mixed bag. There's, there are a few good ones in there, but. Generally, it's sort of more of the same, and I think it's partly because I'm not used to them yet. I think the design of a lot of the original maps in the game is just better. Like they they separate out, um, or it seems more obvious where you can where you can go and the and the good routes to take and things like that. Um, there is one standout level, which is I think from the expedition pack called War Games, where it's set in the combat simulator. Um, and so the intro to the level is, all, is is the sort of, like, do you remember at the start of the training or something, you're getting in the simulator and you're pushing the stuff? It does a little sequence of that before the round begins, which is kind of cool, and says, hey, you're a Gen 2 pilot, and all that stuff. Um, and then the level itself is kind of neat, because it's sort of sort of in that virtual world where everything is super shiny, but then... Like the simulator is sort of blending in real elements that are sort of glitchy. They sort of um, there's a sort of a pixely sort of effect when it transitions to them, and it's generally quite a cool level, um, like both visually and uh, for playing. Um, so that's the highlight thus far, and I quite like another one which I think is in the expedition pack as well called um, um, Swampland, Swampland, which uh, is. Um, which is, I guess, appeals to me because I've, I finished watching a, the season of Attack on Titan, and a lot of that happens in tall trees and stuff like that. And this is like a tall tree swamp and stuff. And it's that uh, the couple of times I've played it so far, that level plays pretty well. Um, and they've added a ton of other stuff as well. Like there's a horde mode now called Frontier Defense. Horde um, mode, which is actually pretty cool. Like there are certain bad guys, new bad guys that. Um, that, that you know have been added, and they make good use of. There's something nice about um, just fighting slightly uh, the hordes of slightly easier to kill enemies, like taking on titans, but that because of being controlled by AI, aren't so tough to kill. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you still die, um, but just not as often. And so it's it's, it's actually kind of kind of good fun. Um, and you know, wave. There's only four waves, but wave four goes on for ages and is pretty difficult to um, to stave off the uh, nuke titans that just like to walk up to the thing and explode. 
and mortar titans that like to hang at the back to the back of the map firing mortars at the at the harvester you're protecting right and it's like so it forces the, the the four human players to actually be sort of jack of all trades so i tend to be the guy that runs out and gets the mortar ones but you you really need like one or two dudes to stay back and protect your base and stuff like that so a bit of silent coordination going on which is kind of a rare thing in titanfall <laughs> So it's four players, is it then? In, in the yeah, it's a four, four player horde mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I kind of like it. I think it's good. The amount of effort they've gone into doing some like extra HUD elements and stuff. I hope it sticks around because it's currently described as a limited, uh, limited time thing. Uh, but I hope it sticks around because it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so time for been playing it, having a good time. Although I suck at it. <laughs> That's because we don't play enough. Nope. Uh, oh, when I the passing mention, I did go and play a tiny bit of Chariot again, and yeah, I I, I think that game's kind of dull on your own. Right. Um, oh, news! This month's game with gold is Volgar the Viking, mm. which looks like a throwback to old two D hack and slash adventure games. Um, so I know nothing about it. Other than visually, it looks like that. Pixel art and stuff. Yeah. Cool. And uh, that's me. Thanks, Rob. my two weeks. How about you, Zeg? What have you been playing? <coughs> well, I played some about more of theatre of them, because I still haven't finished. Some amount. Some amount. Still haven't finished <laughs> Meaning doing like a hundred hours. No, that's how much I played originally. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Get it straight. <laughs> I played some amount more of it because I still haven't finished basically leveling up four people to super maximum, like getting the maximum number of CPs. Not that you necessarily need the maximum number of CPs, I guess, because there's only so many skills you can put on each person. So yeah, I've been continuing to do that and like get some more of the little trophy things that you get for doing a number of things, like like daily challenges and... So you get through. dailies off the uh, internet? Well, not really. It just randomly picks five oh, songs. Right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, doesn't need to go to the internet for it. And I still haven't really played enough multiplayer to, like... I, I mean, I guess there's trophies for that as well, like winning online matches and... How does that even work? It's just... You just play a song. It works the same as the AI matches. <laughs> only necessarily it's with another person, in theory. Right, so it's just whoever gets the biggest score on that run. Well, and there's, like theoretically like attacks you get like it's, it's actually really dumb because it's not actually even regardless of when you're playing it against humans or AI it's not actually any kind of skill to it apart from the playing the song part because as you're playing the song you just cause random attacks to happen no and because they're random because, of, because of the team you know, it's like, no it's just like you are I think it's based on like how many enemies you kill or how much damage you're doing. Right. Basically, how many criticals you're hitting on the <laughs> note path. So it's got nothing to do with your actual character loadout. I think time, or... theoretically, it might like if you're killing the enemies faster because of your loadout. Because of your loadout, you might theoretically do slightly more attacks. Right. Okay. But it's only a slight difference because naturally, it's like the enemies are always balanced to the level of your team anyway, so they they always take an appropriate amount of damage for the level of your characters. Okay. Right. But then, and then the attacks are just random. 
So really, it's like who, the person who wins, assuming like both people are playing at approximately the same level of actual skill, mm. like the actual result of who wins is more Random. or less determined on who gets the good power up <laughs> at the right moment. Right. And really, there's only one that matters, which is judgment, where it's just like, it makes it much harder to hit critical. And if you don't hit critical, it counts as a miss. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty harsh. So it's like, as soon as someone gets that, that's where that's where the score differential starts to come in. Because that will be when someone will start missing a lot. And the only other thing that's like, that like can also bone you is when it, when it does health points slop. Which is the worst possible power-up. Because you don't have any control of when it happens. Um, and it's like, if you're in the lead, you just kill yourself because it swaps your health points with the person who's got no health points and then you're boned. It's a bit like the old teleport power-ups in Sonic 2, is what that reminds you. <laughs> yeah. If you use it at the wrong time. So yeah, I haven't really played much more player. The only re- there's like there's a trophy thing for like playing a number of matches by like collecting people's profile cards, and that's like in theory. I mean, you get the profile cards and you can attach one of the maps to it. So that's theoretically a way to get interesting maps if people have been have taken the time to attach interesting maps to their profile. Right, I see. <laughs> I guess. You only get one per person. But then in theory, the multiplayer is also a good way to get, like, cards, like, to complete the card collection, because the prize for winning the match is, like, you get two out of three of the cards and then the other person gets one of them. Oh, I see. So in theory, if you played a lot of multiplayer, you could get some of the rarer cards easier. Hmm. But it's just... It's quite a lot of hassle. And also, like, the downtime between the multiplayer matches is like quite a long time because like you start it and it's like okay connecting there's like pick your song and you have a minute to pick the song and but then you know if both people pick it just skips the rest of the time (laughs) so depending on how fast the people pick the song there's that time period then you go to the fight and then after the fight it's like okay here's the results of the fight and now you get to pick it's like it shows you the three cards and it shows you one of them if you lose and two of them if you win so you can choose which ones you want then the first person picks then the second person picks, and the first person gets the other one, and then it transfers the profile cards, right. <laughs> and then it pops on a window and says, do you want to play again? It's like, not really. <laughs> this is taking too long. And also because it's like, I've got that person's profile card, so it's like, I, if I'm trying to collect the profile cards, there's no reason to play more than one match against anyone. <laughs> Mate, yeah. So like, but then of course there's not very many people playing it, apparently. Like, if you go into the matchmaking and it's like, searching for opponents, none. <laughs> yeah. That sort of surprised me about Titanfall in a way, because those numbers seemed quite small, but it is it was telling, like, this is the number of players <laughs> in your data centre, these are the number of players worldwide right. in each playlist. It's not very high. No, but like, no, I don't think any... I mean, they were still, like, a few hundred, at least, and I think a couple of them had, like, a thousand worldwide players, but that's, I just remember the old COD, COD blocks counter or something would be, like, a hundred thousand players all the time or something. <laughs> and then, like... I think, my, I mean, there's the classic thing where, because I'm only searching for players that are at expert level, because I'm not good enough to do ultimate. But it's like, so the one time I switched it to ultimate, it's like, oh, look, there's two or three crazy Japanese people. What's right? <laughs> <laughs> not going to compete against them, even if I wanted to. Mm. Have they might, be, the but they might have extremely helpful profile cards. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. So, yeah, that's that. And then the other thing I played was. Goddamn civilization beyond Earth. Tell us. That's what it's actually called. Tell us about that. Tell you about it. It's like Civ Five, and that's the end of that. <laughs> All right, let's get pieced. And it's not. It's not. 
Alpha Centauri. No. It's like Which is what everyone wanted, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the people who know what they wanted out of Alpha Centauri wanted Alpha Centauri, but the people who played Civ 5 and didn't know anything else probably yeah. weren't so annoyed, I suppose. So the main problem with it, from my perspective, apart from it not being Alpha Centauri, is that... Start with the bitching. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is a proper soundcast for you already. Like, the main problem with it is that there's so there's like a whole bunch of lit... Of, I mean... There's a lot of big things that aren't in there, but that's sort of... I mean, it's kind of ass to have to say it, but it's kind of expected where it's just like, it's the same as it's been in the last two or three Civic games where it's like the base version is kind of shitty and then they do two or three expansions that make it actually good. Mm, right. <laughs> and it's like, it'd be nice if that wasn't the case, <laughs> but history has shown that it's likely to be the case. Right. But then beyond, like you know, bigger things that could be introduced later in in expansions. There's a lot of little things that that I that people are really hoping are going to be introduced in patches, because they're like, why is this not here? And this game is sort of broken without it. And like I mean apart from actual legitimate bugs, <laughs> of which there are some. Have you, have you uh, are these bugs you've come across are they just well, there's, I mean, there's the occasional dumb thing, like if you say explorers onto auto-explore, they can just get stuck going backwards and forwards between two tiles because they're like, I can't work out what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> okay, that's pretty bad. <laughs> the classic maneuvers. But then there's like... figure that like, one out by now. <laughs> How many Civ so? games have they had that auto-explore option? That was in like two, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, so, but then there's like, there's things that are... I mean, for a start, diplomacy still incredibly sucks. <laughs> And it's like they still haven't managed to fix that over the last probably two or three games. It's been exactly the same. And it's just like, why is diplomacy still terrible and completely useless and the AI are really dumb in it and always ask for stupid things? I've never liked how, oh, I don't know, trade trading with AI, at least in my experience, has always been really one-sided. Well, it's because you haven't worked out the trick of like you can't ask for the last thing of anything well no even if i've even if i've figured that out and i like i know they have more than one of something and i try that they're often asking for like the world for it and it's like well no this doesn't benefit me if yeah, I want sometimes it. it's probably depends how pissed they are with you also well yeah there's a bit of that but it's just like the the main problem with diplomacy now is that well the, the first problem is because there's they got rid of the idea of luxury resources so now there's only strategic resources. And so that basically like removes 90% of all trades. Mm. Because you never trade strategic resources because they're strategic. Well, like, <laughs> and therefore you don't want to give them to other people. Well, I don't know. I would give... I, I'm In my Civ tactics, like, especially in my, my happiness-focused game, like I would you know, trade the strategic things that I'm just not using. Yeah, but you're like, you're trading them for luxury ones. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole point to get me to get me more of my ludicrous happiness rating. Yeah, whereas now you don't have the luxury resources, so all you can trade is strategic resources for other strategic resources or money or science. I suppose. Yeah, so it's just like that's not. That's not actually, there's no good trades there, really, because it's like, if you don't want to empower your opponent by giving them access to strategic resources, then just don't do those trades. Mm. I suppose that's the balancing act, though, isn't it? You want to trade with the AI opponents that have that resource that aren't winning. Well, yeah, that's what I tended to do. Is like, then do, do you have much visibility of that? aren't winning. Yes, because you could just pop up the diplomacy window and it tells you what the current score is. Oh, okay. 
Right. And it also actually lists like all like how many wonders they have and how far that everyone is down the affinity trees. Oh, you can actually see that. Yeah. Huh. Which kind of is a bit ridiculous. Because that rule does that rule out potentially doing like espionage in a patch or Well no, his espionage is already in there, only it's different now. Oh, okay. And that's like another thing that's weirdly changed from Civ Five. It's just like in, I mean in Civ Five espionage was fairly pointless and like other not, than the occasional tech theft, yeah, and not like not really very effective. No, it was it was too ineffective at areas where it sounded like it could be useful. Yeah, like the election rigging, for instance, is like that's fucking useless, except for saving you a bit of money if you were thinking right, of buying be them nice out. To a yeah, state. But yeah, so now the espionage is probably actually too powerful. <laughs> it's like they've gone completely opposite direction because you can just send your spice to the enemy cities, and then like the idea is that. The more operations you do in one city, it, it levels up this bar, and then the higher the bar goes, the more complicated operations you can do. This is the intrigue, the bar. intrigue bar. So you start off with only being able to steal energy. Also, that's, that is a great name for a real bar. The intrigue, the bar. intrigue, the bar. intrigue bar. It <laughs> would be pretty cool. You, <laughs> you start off with only being able to steal energy, then you can steal science. Like, that could be the part at the back of the tuna bovina, the ton of bovina. <laughs> that would just be an intrigue bar. <laughs> That's the first thing you see when you come through the door, surely, because you look at the sign and you go, ton of bovina, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say that. You think bovina. You don't think to yourself ton of bovina unless you already know. What's going do I, on? Do I, have to, do I have to put a little bit of white text underneath the sign to say it's pronounced? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and then you walk in, and then you walk in. The first thing you see is the intrigue bar because <laughs> <laughs> you're intrigued. Yeah. So yeah, you can steal energy at the lowest level. Then you can steal science, which is literally science points, not like a technology. Because steal technology is the next level up. And but the trouble with those, like the trouble with those, even those first three is there's no actual limitation. It's like, it's not based on the actual enemy sieve, it's based on your sieve. So it's like, if you steal energy or you steal science, it's basically creating energy out of nothing proportional to your current amount of energy in science. Yeah, so it's not actually... Well, I suppose... The, it's not actually stealing. No, I suppose tech theft <laughs> and then tech made sense in that respect because you were stealing something they already had. Well, yeah. And that's because not, you're stealing the knowledge. And, and that's not the case any longer either. It's like if you do steal technology, you, you get a random technology that you don't already have that's aligned to their affinity. Yeah, which makes even less sense because that then implies that you're coercing their scientists to work on something else. <laughs> that they yeah. haven't already actually researched, yeah. possibly. Like, it would make sense if that was, like, the process of doing that would also decrement the amount of science points they were getting towards their... Well, yeah, I mean, if there was, like, if if there was, was if any actual negative effect on the enemy, this whole, yeah. like, the whole thing would make much more sense. Yeah, if it's subtracted from their science output, like, it, or potentially reversing research towards their next tech, then yeah. maybe that would make sense. And then, like, so maybe that makes that more powerful. Well, even more powerful, yeah. yeah. But then, after you've got those first three levels, then you've got like recruit defectors, which also is another thing which doesn't actually affect them at all. It's just like it spawns military units at your HQ based on their tech, right. <laughs> but not actually taking their military units. Well, yeah, like, even if it was, <laughs> even if it wasn't stealing military units, I would like maybe a population decrease somewhere would be how you'd represent that. Yeah. And then, so then after you've got, so those, that's like the first three levels. And then when, when you get to like the highest level of intrigue, 
you can just like straight up take a city. <laughs> Yeah, Which is a bit, that's like the most overpowered, particularly if you're playing Domination, where the goal of the game in order to win, you have to capture all the enemy capitals. You can just literally steal their capital without going to war at all by just flipping it from the inside using a spy. And it's like, I did that in my first game. Kind of like, I was only doing it as an experiment. I wasn't intentionally trying to win by Domination. But my spy in their capital just flipped their capital onto my side. And I was like, well, that's ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> Well, I mean, what is the actual chance of that well, succeeding? It's or... like there's some percentage. And, well, basically, I've tried doing that mission three times, and I've had it succeed twice. <laughs> right. So, so it's maybe slightly too high. But yeah, so you can just flip their capital and then just take their capital and be That's like, insane. "Well, now I have now I have your." And even more ridiculously, the two times I've had it succeed and I stole an enemy city. They came and yelled at me, but didn't, didn't even actually go to war. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they, they've lost, if they realise they were going to lose the war. Well, yeah, presumably. But I mean, still, even then, it's like, they should be a little more pissed than that. <laughs> yeah. Perfectly denounce or get an ally to do war or something. So, yeah, so basically, the whole, the main problem with the espionage system is apart from the possibility of losing, uh, losing an entire city, there's no detriment to the foe. It's just all bonus to you. <laughs> right. So you might as well always have your spies in some city stealing energy or science because you're just, it's just a profit. <laughs> but then the only way you'd espionage would detriment your foes in Civ 5 was if you rigged an election enough to get to reduce their ally status. Well, there was other missions you could do. Okay. <laughs> you just put them in a town and it does stuff. <laughs> There's other things that you, that can happen. Like in Civ Five, you can in Civ Five rather than flipping the city. I think this was in Five. It might also have been in Four. But you could also like decrease defenses from the inside. So if you were actually physically attacking the city, you could I, compromise their defense. How do you do that? Because I, I like every time I, I I only know the only bit of that interface I've seen is you just drop someone in the town and stuff starts happening. And it's like, and that's like text theft if you drop it into an actual city. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was not in 5 any longer. That was definitely in 4. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. If it, if it exists, the UI is obtuse enough that I can't... I don't. I, <laughs> that's I, also possible because yeah. it's not exactly... It's not exactly the most well-built system in 5, even then. Well, it only got added in Gods and Kings. Yeah, in expansion. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, like, the espionage is probably way too powerful. I mean, obviously, you may slightly annoy people if they discover that you're spying on them. But, I mean, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like big whoop. Yeah. and then, it's, it's almost like if you have spies, this is going to be some guaranteed benefit that everyone gets. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like everyone has this benefit, essentially. And then the only defense against it is you can build certain buildings that, like, cap the intrigue level. So you, once you get to, like, mid-game, it's like you're not going to be flipping cities any longer because they're intrigue level is capped at free so you can't do the yeah which sounds an essential tactic yeah which basically means you always have to build those buildings mm. <laughs> which kind of sucks and then like so another thing that's missing from Civ 5 which is a much more minor thing which is but is super annoying is for some reason in the city management screen you can't turn on avoid growth <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like that's Originally, I thought it was because they didn't want you to do that because of the, because of the way the health system has replaced happiness. And, like, there's much more actual bonuses and detriments attached to good health and bad health than happiness, where happiness is basically the only function was when it was negative, it stopped you from growing. When it was positive, you got gold mages faster. Yeah. 
that was basically all that mattered. But now there's actual like production and science bonuses from being happy or whatever. But you can't avoid growth any longer in your towns. And originally I thought it was because they did, didn't want you to. Like they wanted to make it so that if you were growing too fast, it was actually a penalty. But then you can still go into your city screen and move your citizens around. So you can still manually prevent it from growing yeah. by just adjusting your food output. Well, we were discussing this, weren't we? I think the avoid growth option as it stood was kind of dumb anyway, in the sense that, you know, it doesn't make sense to just stockpile your food. Well, the food's just getting thrown away, isn't it, I guess, at that point? Yeah. Like, technically. Sort of. It, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily made sense in the context of the game. Like, you know, mechanically, yeah, there's a reason to do it. But um, I would have preferred, like, if, if you if you clicked that option, instead of it just, like, not allowing it to grow and stuff like that, it would it would be a way of it sort of doing an auto rejig to sort of remove the food production. I mean, that's essentially what it did, apart from it couldn't always do it. It couldn't 100% move food, remove food production in every case. No. So then it would just stop it from growing. Yeah. And I mean, that's basically what I'm doing now with the citizen management. It's just like, I'm setting it so that the food growth is either stagnant or very, very slightly positive. Yeah. So it would be fine. I think, yeah, I think it would be absolutely fine if you said, uh, if it was like, not just avoid growth, but attempt to avoid like growth. slow growth yeah and it would get as close as it can to stagnation yeah but there's just no option to do it any longer so now i'm having to go into towns and manually fuck around with them all the time mm. and also as ever the actual like prioritize production or prioritize money those buttons are still dumb and don't actually succeed in maximizing it uh, they seemed all right in my experience in five but... yeah but you never actually took the time to fuck around with it though i, mean, I have done yeah in, at least in the game, in the multiplayer game we're currently on, I've been messing with it quite a bit. But Probably yeah. because your turns often take ages, and I've got time to actually look at that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of sucks. And then, so the, the, that's like some things that are missing from Civ Five that are annoying. And but then, like the way they've actually changed the way the game plays. In some ways, it's cool, and in some ways, it's like not so cool. <laughs> great there's a great summary there <laughs> well it's like so the first the major thing is they changed the, the tech tree into the tech web so you can like go out in like it's not so limited on what you can research next in theory I mean that seems like a cool idea that seems like a cool idea but then the trouble with it is that it's like it's not as free as, as it initially appears really mainly because it's it's linked into another system but you you want to level up your affinity, like you can be in one of a, one of the three affinities, which is like harmony and supremacy or whatever. Mm. So you want to be into one of those trees, and leveling up those affinities are tied to certain techs. So if you're going in the harmony tree, you're just like, oh well, which one of these techs has the has the attachment that gives me a harmony bonus? Right. So that sort of directs you for a start because you're just going. You want to look and I'll. I'll mention why you need to level up your affinity much more in a minute. But so obviously that's sort of limiting in itself. But also I feel like once you've looked at the tech web and like after a couple of games, you just know where all the powerful shit is. So, mm. so you're just going to go to it. Yeah, and ignore it now. <laughs> you don't you, you quickly work out which things are mostly pointless or 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 like at least your playstyle. Yeah, or whatever playstyle you're going for. It's like so that almost it's like it, they intended it to be less restricting, but it's almost more restricting because <laughs> you're still having to go for the affinities 
and a, you still want specific texts that you know are, are powerful in some way or another. I think it leads to more variation in the game that you're playing, but I see your point in that you're probably still following a tree, but that tree is that you know a tree similar to the tech line of Civ. Of it's basically games, like, but the line is different based on the affinity you're going. Yeah, for. it's like they basically made three trees, except they're shown as one tree. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. And then, so when you—that's the thing about the tech theft, though, isn't it? The ones you could gain could be anywhere in your next accessible, accessible, accessible. <laughs> your next accessible branches. No, because they could be anywhere. Well, anywhere, what, any anywhere that you could spread to, right? Well, or, to say anywhere that you could spread to basically means everywhere, because <laughs> there's very yeah, but that stuff that means that it could be off affinity, right? Yeah, it would be things you're not going for. Likely, I think I think there's like a bias to make it one of the other affinity skills. Well, that sort of makes sense, but that's you know, I mean, that's okay. But we'll it's not moving towards. But it's just like one. It might in that case, it's like you're probably getting a tech you're not actually going to care about. No, because it's like if it particularly there's some cases where it's like there can be the subtext that are attached to the main text. Some of those can. Some of those will only have like. Gives you the affinity bonus and unlocks a unit specific to that affinity. Right. So if you're not on that affinity tree, that one you definitely don't ever care about. I'm sure. There's no way of then being a sort of middle, middling affinity. Well, you can get the bonuses from the other affinities, but it's like your primary one levels up faster and that is what your units become. Right. Your units go down that affinity tree that's your primary sure. one. Sure. So does it force you to pick that? at the start of the game. Or? It doesn't force you to pick it, it's just sort of dependent it's on what you do it, first. It's sort of assumed, right. It's like what affinities you level up first sort of lead you down that path. Okay. And generally you want to pick you want to pick that by just looking at what your local resources are. It's like if you've got the resource that's good for supremacy, you go supremacy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I wonder if they'd like they could have had some interesting like combination things. Like say you had the unit upgrade from one tree. But then you go down in another tree as well, and there's a sort of like a conflicting upgrade, whether then lets you build like one or two, one or the other version of it, or if there was some sort of weird combination. Well, unit in, or... in some of, in I think in the affinity specific units, when they upgrade, they have their instead of having just three straight choices, they have the choice that's purely your affinity mm. and then the two other choices are like mixed so you need to have some levels in the other affinities to oh, have those options it's oh, not okay. really very significant but no but they sort of do that then okay sort of yeah. but it's not like it changes the unit that much it's no. just like a tiny attack bonus or yeah. whatever so that's the other problem with the affinity system is that because your units upgrade with the affinities and there's a very there's basically a like really limited selection of units like, you basically only get one infantry unit, and then that just upgrades through the affinity tree, like, five times. But because the unit upgrades is linked into the affinity tree, and because there's only, like, five levels per unit maximum, like, the power gap between those levels can be quite extreme. Right, right. So basically, you want to race to level up your affinity, because that just makes your units way more powerful than everyone else, and then you can just not attack them, or they won't attack you, because yeah. they know you're so much more powerful. So that gives you even more reason that you want to level the affinities on the tech tree, push you even but further they, down to rush those techs specifically. But do they bypass that as a problem because of the aliens? Not really, because the aliens become insignificant so, after you've done like the first two levels of your basic melee unit. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, it's just like there's it's 
it, that whole unit upgrade and the affinity system just feels like it's forcing you even more into the specific tech tree zones of that specific affinity. So it's cool in theory, but like not actually as cool as it could have been. So do you think they're sort of like not the system in Civ Five where nothing upgrades, like where things don't just upgrade wherever they are when you reach a certain level, and that you have to bring them back and pay money to upgrade? Sort of solves the issue that you're saying, like that solves the sort of. I mean, you're still racing to get those units, but there's a cost of up because of the cost of upgrade. It kind of naturally slows you down from just being better. Sort of, but there's also like more units, and that makes the gradient smaller. I just think it's like there's too big a jump between the different levels, mm. and that also just makes the AI super passive most of the time. Because it's like if you're ahead of them in tech, they just won't attack you because you can just stomp them. <laughs> yeah, well, like, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's a really. It's only like one or two levels of unit upgrade because there's only like five units. Whereas in the other Civ games, it's like a much more smooth curve. I guess. Like, like warriors can beat spearmen to some extent. But in this sure. game, if you have like a tech two tank against tech one infantry, they're just always going to murder them. <laughs> kind of weird like that. So yeah, it's just like I haven't been... I mean, I don't really play for combat that much, but then when I did do some combat, it was easy because I was ahead of them in the tech. Right, yeah. <laughs> and also another thing that I found slightly... So basically it sort of means that if you're doing well, you can pick an ending? Yeah, you can just like, do whatever you want, d- basically. D- 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 <laughs> and then the other thing that I found slightly annoying about the combat is that cities are, like, super weak now. I mean, they can get quite strong in terms of attack power, but their defences seem... Compared to the power of the units, the defenses seem really weak in some cases. Particularly if you're if you haven't if you've only just built a city or you haven't built all the defense buildings, those can be incredibly weak. And like one unit can just walk up and take it. You don't need to bombard it or anything right, like right, right. <laughs> ranged units or whatever. Which so, it's, so it's a bit more like the older systems. Of yeah, like, sort of. So if there wasn't a defending unit, you could just walk in. Well, no, because the defending units don't count. That's the trouble with the Civ Five system. The defending unit adds to the power of the city, but it doesn't actually go into combat. So if the city's health bar goes down, that unit just gets destroyed. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, I never noticed that. Which can incredibly suck, because that's one of the things that happened. Because when you take a city, what I did was, like, I moved my... I had this awesome superpowered unit. I ran up to the city and took it in one turn and walked in. But then on the next turn, because the city's health bar hadn't gone up, the enemy just walked the unit in and took it back and destroyed my civil unit in the process. And I was like, well, that's really dumb. Wait, so, oh, of course, yeah, I get it, I get it. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of awkward. So don't use, basically don't use your most powerful units to capture cities, is the idea. Because otherwise they might just get destroyed on the next turn if the enemy can get a unit back in fast enough. Mm. Because obviously, when you take the city, its defense is naturally. I suppose low once you learn that, buildings get I suppose once you learn well. that, though, that that sort of means okay. Well, I need to make sure I mop up everyone before I think about claiming it. Yeah, sort of adding more risk to the to the combat. I suppose. I, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that either way, really, because it's like the, the Civ, Civ Five made defense a lot easier. I thought. Like, yeah, because it's, it's all like strong. you can just block everything because there's yeah. only one unit to tile and everything. Yeah. So maybe making that a little bit simpler encourages the idea of trying to play a bit more combat-focused. It would also be nice if they actually managed to make the AI have any idea what the fuck it's doing in combat. Because mm. <laughs> as usual, they're just completely useless at positioning or whatever. 
had one attack one time when the enemy attacked me where they dri- they driven like across half the map because we were at like opposite ends of this fairly large continent. Mm. So I knew they were coming because one of my explorers had just walked past their army as it was traveling by. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> they haven't declared war yet, but they're gonna. Yeah, I can see this going. So then like several days later when they turned up, it's like, I'm not sure how this even how they even managed to do this. It must have been like the movement cost of the terrain leading up to it. But like there was a mountain range that ran down the middle of my cities where there was like one to the north and one to the south. And somehow the computer player had managed to get all their tanks going to the south and all their artillery units going to the north. So I was just like, well, I can just kill all those artillery units. They're not from because there's no actual tanks to protect them. (laughs) I see. Yeah, it made the same decision (laughs) from movement speed on both directions. Yeah. Just like good job, AI. I can get like you sort of thought. All right, if I send all my tanks that way, then they'll all reach the town at the same time as my artillery. Yeah, because it's a slightly longer path or whatever. Yeah. And then when the even when they actually started attacking, I think I was probably actually behind on tech level, so my my units were probably weaker than theirs. But they just didn't actually bother attacking. So like the, the tanks drove in, they declared war. And then I'd had like shitty infantry prepared, trying to hold the best defensive positions I could with some artillery units backing them up. Mm. But the tanks never actually bothered committing to an attack, so I just like whittled them down with artillery whenever they were in range. And then like the tanks basically just tried to rush one of my towns, and it was like, well, no, that's not. <laughs> you're not well, actually going to take it. Yeah, you're pretty hurt now. You're going to die. And also, the AI is incredibly bad at avoiding the miasma, so they just take extra damage off that. Oh, really? So by the time that's... the enemy had got to my borders, all their tanks were slightly damaged to start with. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a pretty obvious thing to try and have the AI deal with. Or just, like, have them wait, like, heal up before they start the attack or something. Yeah. Man, okay. That seems like a bit flawed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the same usual Civ problems, but it it, it just needs some patching for a start. Well, I guess maybe this is the thing, isn't it? Like, early days, it was, now they can. I suppose they can iron out kinks like this. Like, Yeah. Hopefully they will do something about diplomacy in terms of giving it slightly more options. Also, they did try and give it more options by having favours and promises. Yeah, I, I really don't understand those. Like, I, I've seen no, numerous explanations of how they actually work, but I'm still not 100% sure why you would really use them. Part, the promises system actually sounds kind of cool, in a way. that, it, like, If it was... Well, in my head, how that sounds to me is like it would be some kind of cool way of enforcing a contractual agreement yeah like like you must do this within this time frame otherwise something bad will happen to you sort of it's kind of the opposite it's just like so the promises of it sort of doesn't even explain it which is also another big problem with this game it's just there's not really there's a lot of things that just don't have any explanation or not enough explanation particularly like the win conditions so we say you're building like the gate that pulls settlers from Earth and then you have to set, settle the settlers on this new planet. It doesn't fucking tell you that you, once you've built the gate, you have to click on the gate every turn, click a button in the UI of the gate that spawns the settler. So I was just waiting for ages. It's like, why are no settlers coming through this? No. It's like, you actually have to go there and click the button. And then it also doesn't tell you, like... I suppose that's sensible to say the settlers only spawn when it's When you're ready, you. yeah. yeah. But then it also doesn't tell you that those settlers... They still have the same limits on how close they can found settlements to other cities. Sure. But you can also put six of them into one of their settlements. It doesn't tell you that, unless you go and look it up in like... Wait. <laughs> that sounds like ring. Wait. I'm going to finish timer. this port, though. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So it doesn't tell you that. And it's just like, just 
is there's not much, not much detail. So then, like the promises and the favors, it doesn't really tell you about either. But when you you know how in Civ Five you'd always have the thing where some guy would come to you and be like, "You're you're settling cities too near my borders or whatever," and they'd be slightly annoyed about it. Yeah, and then yeah. tell them to fuck off. <laughs> As you do, and nothing comes of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now what it doesn't tell you about this game is now now when you say, I mean, if you just say, "I promise not to." It, well, it doesn't even say I promise. But if you say I'm not going to settle near you, that is literally a promise. <laughs> it's like right. that's a commitment. And then if you do settle near them, then they consider that to be an offence. Right. So that's. Well, but then, what do offences mean? Well, that just pisses them off. It's like makes them less. Right. So there is no actual bad no. thing to just. So that's that's what promises actually mean. It's like when you actually say I won't do this thing, it actually <laughs> keeps track of that now. But I mean, that makes sense. Like to actually have some sort of record of it, at least. It makes but then, sense, but the trouble with the trouble with it is that there's no there's no real well, a there's no record of it. Mm. So if you say that I promise not to settle next to next to you, there is eventually there's a pop up on the sidebar that says it's been a long time since you said that, so you're okay to do it now. But there's no, no indication that you no made that promise, long. and there's no indication of how much time left there is. Oh, weird. <laughs> so you can't so go. You can't if look you, it up. Yeah, you can't look it up. And also, the other classic problem with that is, like, if you're saying, I won't settle near you, working out what the fucking computer player considers near yeah. is the other yeah. problem. Well, I, that I'm okay with, I think. Like, like the concept of near would be yeah, because that's kind of human. That's not that okay is, at all, because it's just like... But that's your human thing, right? Yeah, but the computer players just have no fucking idea what they're talking about. They'll be like, oh, this fucking bit of continent on the other side of the world is what I consider part of my territory, even though my city's way over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I, say, I think it would have been much cooler if they'd gone down my route and made it like you know more of an agreement, like a contractual thing, like with some penalty if you, um, you know, breach your contract and all that stuff. For a lot of that AI, like, I'll say if you do this, like you can do this, and the agreement comes to an end, but you will have to pay me a certain amount of money, and this will happen automatically, and because like, that would be a great tool for multiplayer. Well, yeah, it's just like for the AI and all these agreement type things. It's just like there just needs to be more information. So if, if there was just some kind of overlay that said, this is what we consider, <laughs> don't settle in these areas specifically. Oh, yeah. So if you're like using your settler or something, it just sort of marked them on the map and, like when you're moving it. It's saying, yeah. oh, don't like, go this here. is red. <laughs> don't yeah. go over there. Or at least when you went to build the city, it could come up with the dialogue saying, are you sure this is going to like break <laughs> like, this you'll, promise? You'll break your promise. Yeah. yeah. And then favours. Favours basically is a way to make it easier for them to program trades with the AI by making it so that a lot of the time the AI will say, I'll give you a favour if you give me this, and then you can just use the favour to create whatever trade you want later. <laughs> does, it, does it work as well as that then? Like, I'll, I'll hand back my favour, but I want everything you have. <laughs> well, you can get, you know, it's the favours are weighted to how happy they are with you or whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of like money, but with a certain... Yeah. You can only spend it with one person. Yeah, exactly. But the trouble with that is that... But surely that doesn't work in multiplayer. Well, no, the favours don't exist in multiplayer. Okay, right. It's only for an AI. And then... The, it's weird because that's why I think they introduced that, to make it so that the AI doesn't... The AI can make demands of you without it being ridiculous, so you might actually accept them sometimes. Okay, yeah. But then the trouble with that is that you can't. So do you know what the cost of a favor is? Well, yeah, exactly. You can't. You don't know until you try. Mm. And also, there's no. When you're making a deal, 
and you're using a favor that well actually the whole deal problem i mean there's no indication of how much anything is worth so i was trying to get like a strategic resource and i was like i don't know how much to give you and then you hit the what will make this the deal work button, yeah. and it just lists a bunch of ridiculous shit and i'm like well, I'm not giving you those extra strategic resources. I'm not giving you open borders. I will give you money. So maybe if I just increase the cost, the amount of money in this deal, that makes work. And then it's like, well, that does work. But it doesn't, that's not, an, you know, it's not well, a default are, option. Are they trying to simulate negotiation though? Like, Well, yeah, but then I, I just feel like I'm overpaying them because I don't know what the minimum amount of money I could have given them was. I guess. I should have, it's like what you want is like a button that's like, what will make this deal work, but only using this, this, and this instead of using everything? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I say, I want, I want to give you this resource and some money and this resource, but you can like you can tell, tell, ask tell me how much of those, yeah, tell me how much of those you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would help. And then there's also the another dumb thing where you can't edit when the computer player comes to you to ask for something. Like it says, "I'll give you two favors if you give me four of the strategic resource." You can't edit that deal at the time. Hmm. You can't say, I'll give you one favor and two. <laughs> you oh, just have true. to say, go away. And then when it's your turn, open up the interface again and then <laughs> go and okay, yourself. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a flow problem. Yeah. Yeah, problems that need patching, basically. But apart from that, it's an okay game. But yeah, are you enjoying it more or less? Do the wrinkles, this is the big question with this, is like, because the, the, the changes they've made are just to mess with the formula, really, yeah. just to make you think slightly differently. And to that extent, does it work? Does it uh, just because it's different? Does that necessarily make it worse? Well, I mean, I'd say on uh, average, on average, it's probably more interesting to play on like a turn by turn basis because there's it's like there's just more options. Okay, so you don't, even, you don't just go through phases of spinning your wheels, just building yourself up. Well, it's because of the way. Particularly if you're thinking like about the terraforming stuff, like the land improvements, mm. there's just sort of more to do there because there's a lot more different things that unlock during the tech tree that are related to the land. Oh, so okay. like you can, you start off with obviously like farms and mines, but then later on, maybe like instead of it being in Civ 5, you had those special buildings that you could build with the great people, like the academy and the cultural <laughs> thing. I really thought you said grape people. <laughs> the great the people. Great people. <laughs> Excellent vineyards. You had this those, is a new alien race. <laughs> the grape people. You had those special. It's all, it's all those weird. Well, they're not grapes, are they? I was about to say it's all those. It's all those little currants from the Ribena ads. <laughs> like they, they're currants, not grapes. Yeah. You so see, you get all those just the cousins. Those those type of tile improvements. Those special tile improvements that you got from the great people in Civ Five. Now you now a lot of those are like you can just build them, like the academy that gives you science on a tile. You can at some point in the tech tree you unlock the ability to just build that as a tile improvement mm. from your regular but, workers, but with extra maintenance costs and sometimes. Trade-offs. I mean, some of them, some of these, some of the special improvements do have like money or health costs attached to them as well. I mean, in a way that 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 sort of uh, having to go and re-improve stuff makes a little bit more sense because if you think about like because in Civ Five it's all tied to tech, isn't it? Yeah. You get a tech that just improves all of your farms. Yeah. When really you should be think like perhaps you want <laughs> I mean, to technically take... you do still get those. Like, oh, okay. Farms will now produce science. Or... <laughs> sure. But uh, the, uh, the concept of adding like, okay, now you can build better farms and then perhaps certain bonuses only apply to those further improved so, farms. Yeah, sort of along those lines. And then there's also... There's one sort of t- bit of the tech tree that gives you satellites that you can launch that, that uh, you have satellites that improve like the output of tiles. 
So you can have like the production satellite that improves the production of all those tiles, all the energy satellite. But then some of those also will create new resources over their lifetime. Oh, interesting. So you could actually, so if you if you feel like you haven't got enough strategic resources, you can launch the production satellite and maybe it will generate new strategic resources. Maybe it will find a, a strip of iron you didn't find before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's sort of interesting in some ways. And then, yeah, so the orbital layer. I haven't really, I don't think the orbital layer is as important as everyone made it out to be because it's quite easy to win even without it. I mean, you can have like orbital lasers and, <laughs> and buffs and weird power-ups and stuff but, and you can shoot down things and you can build a teleporter that sends units for units. It's like, don't need any of that. Just walk in <laughs> the normal <laughs> way. <laughs> But maybe maybe it's one of those like tactical options that you know the walking strategy is still absolutely fine, but the satellite option is viable. Well, the satellites, the satellite option seems well. The main trouble with the satellite option, especially against the AI, is they'll just launch fucking satellites all over the place that are pointless. (laughs) And then because satellites can't overlap, in order to launch your satellites, you actually have to have a ground unit go in and shoot down the enemy satellites so you can launch your. I see. So yeah, so it sounds like sounds like in a way they haven't really tuned the AI to the new mechanics. No, maybe yeah. not. Oh, and there's one more thing I should mention, sort of similar to the covert ops thing of stuff which is ludicrously overpowered. They've changed the culture thing. You remember the culture trees? Sure. Those used to be actually pretty powerful, but you could only do a certain amount of it, I guess. Yeah. And it was based on like how big your civilization was and all that kind and of culture stuff. Culture was a sort of difficult thing to cultivate anyway. Yeah. Like. Because of the way it interacted with the other mechanics. And that's sort of still the case, apart from they've sort they've compressed the culture trees, there's only four of them now. But they I think they're not very well balanced. Like the prosperity tree is so ridiculously overpowered. I mean the early ones is like the early part of that tree is it obviously it gives you some stuff like faster city growth and like free worker and free settler. Okay, yeah. And it's like those are pretty powerful, because settlers aren't exactly easy to make at the start of the game. Mm. But then when you, when you get further down, it's just like you just get stuff that gives you huge bonuses to health and removes negative health so you can just grow your cities even more and faster and, like, massive bonuses to well, you, output. The, the excess health is for output, isn't it? Yeah, the, well, no, the excess health... Well, yeah, once you get past, like, t- plus 20 excess health, you get a big bonus to production and science right, and all that. Right. So having good health is good anyway. Yeah. So just going down that prosperity tree gives you such massive bonuses that you can easily outgrow everyone. Mm. It's like, I don't, I don't think I'd ever play a game where I wouldn't start with the prosperity tree and then go on to one of the other three later. Are there, like, caps to how much you could potentially get out of those trees as well? Because I read, like... like- the, the the concept is suited to either you go down to level three on one tree or something, or you stay relatively like level one on all of them. Well, you you don't have to, but there's like there's bonuses attached to basically the horizontal and vertical rows. Like if you do all of oh, one see, tree, so it gives in- you three different bonuses you leveled up. But if you do a lot of the tech one levels of each of the trees, that has a different set of bonuses attached. I see. So it encourages you to either go wide or thin. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. But I still think the prosperity tree is incredibly overpowered. And then the science tree. The science tree is weirdly actually the, the science and culture tree. So basically what I just do now is by default I just go prosperity, then do science, because that reduces the amount of culture. So that I can just complete both of those trees. <laughs> <I see. laughs> reduces the amount of culture you need to unlock the next part mm. and gives you more science. So you're getting better buildings to make culture. And it's just like... That's just incredibly bad. Fuck, fuck the might tree and fuck the production tree. Don't need either of those. Who needs cash? 
you end up with so much fucking gas as well. It's like I've never had a game where cash has been a problem. It's like in the early game, you're like, ooh, ooh, and then it's just like, oh, I'm getting plus 500 a turn. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it needs a bit of rebouncing and patching. But, you know, they'll probably manage at least one or two patches before they make yeah, the expansion. It's, it's, it's not like they haven't had a history of doing it since Civ 5, and even since Civ 4 to a degree. But, you know. All right, cool. So, so if you were going to play it and wanted a nice game of Civ, uh, yeah. What game would you play at this point? Would you play Civ Five with all the expansion packs? Would you play this one for the newness? Would you play Civ Four <laughs> with the stack of Doom? I'd probably play this one for the newness for a cool. while longer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd actually. Maybe I have. Maybe maybe I would move on to just this over Civ Five if I was going to make a choice. Cool. You see it like there's liking it more like. Perhaps once they've ironed out the kinks and stuff, just with with the structures they have, like if they all worked in a in a better way, in a slightly more balanced way, yeah, yeah, would it, maybe would, would it, act, it is it does it draw you in more than five? Probably just because it's different, I suppose. just because cool. the way you play it, like the actual different, slightly different management and stuff. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, cool. I just think they could definitely use. And I don't, the trouble is, I don't think they can fix the problem with the units. Like the 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 dramatic jumping power of the units. Yeah, maybe not. I don't well, think they there's could a way just they introduce more units, can't they? But they could, but then that would cause like a lot of that would be a lot of actual difficult difficult. That would be like a lot more difficult to balance than yeah than adjusting everything else. All those other problems I said of balance, I think those are probably quite easy to do. Whereas actually introducing new units into that scheme make it harder. Yeah, does it act a bit like? Could you do you reckon you could make it work if you acted as something like a compression? So like the 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 top level is actually just a lot lower. Like, well, if they so made, now, if so, they just so made the, all the jumps less, then yeah. Well, the the, the ramp, the, the height to which the ramp can get is lower. If you see what I mean. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the very maximum. I think it's just the difference between each of the levels. But then that net, well, the, the idea is that is then that naturally reduces the jump between every level. Well, that's, that's not what you said. But then that doesn't. Well, yeah, you it said make is. the top less. You did say make the gap uh, between each one less. No, yeah, I meant like if the yeah, okay. I meant like if the the maximum point you could reach was lower, then in theory you'd have to adjust. You'd have to adjust the steps to get to that top. Yeah. So effectively, like just yeah, essentially compressing the 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 way the numbers go up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the units. It just seems like a problem. That's I mean, you know, the bonuses attached to the level up probably doesn't help either. Like all the all the specific buffs you can get. Particularly, I mean, obviously the high level ones are meant to be more powerful, but some of them are ridiculous. Like once you get to the, the highest level of tanks, they just become hover tanks, which is awesome. Which is actually too awesome because then they basically outclass boats oh, wow. you have to drive out over the sea and shoot boats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool. Awesome. Were were you naturally singing the uh, the tanks the tanks on? <laughs> No, they don't jiggle enough to do the tags on. Oh, they're not quite floaty enough. No. But yeah, so that's that. Cool. I got quite a lot of the achievements. That was my main goal. Because <laughs> they actually, it's like actual reasonable achievements. Yeah, rather than game. freaking hundreds or something. That well, I mean, there's only eight different leaders. So there's only eight different achievements. You only have to play eight games. No. In theory. I know. Even so, that's a lot. Well, not really. I mean, it's not like it's that slow. You can play on a small map. You can play on a tiny one versus one map and just do a domination victory because the computer <laughs> players are dumb. Just walk in there and take their camera and be done. Or spy it. <laughs> mm. 
I thought you said that people aren't out if you just take the capital now. They they aren't out if you take their capital unless it's the unless you have all the capitals because that's the domination bit. Sure. Oh, I see. Right. So if it's yeah. one on one, you just take their take capital, the capital and win. win. Yeah. Get it. And if you really wanted to, you can turn on total domination as an option where even if you take all their cities, if they have units left, they're still not out. Uh, that's pretty dumb. Yep. I mean, I suppose like, they could learn to call the counter offensive and take a city yeah. with their last remaining military units. I mean, I don't mind the idea of like total domination, meaning you would have to take all their cities. Like, so not just having all capitals was enough. Like, you have to yeah, have all cities. That, for the actual win condition. Yeah, that, that, that I'd be okay with. But the that, fact that, that no... Trouble is, that just, just doesn't work in the Civ 5 systems because of the way unhealthiness is attached to how many cities and how much population you have. Yeah, you couldn't take all the cities in the world because it would just fuck up it would everything take, it else. It would take too long. By the time you'd sorted them out. Well, because, because you're... Because of the penalty for unhealthiness, you wouldn't be able to make any more units after a certain point, probably. Yeah, I know, but once you sort, you could sort it out eventually, right? You could make that. I city. don't know if well, I don't know if you'd ever be able to get it positive again after a certain point. Hmm. Like the negatives would probably outweigh as much bonus as you as you could get from all your cities, right? You can't fix a city if you take it. But you you can fix the city, but not your overall total. Good. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, we have slightly ran out of time on this one, unfortunately. Naturally. We went a little bit over. You got anything um, then? Uh, I haven't got games, but I can tell you a quick story because they're going to be new games because I just upgraded. Oh, yeah. Hey, you did it. Okay. So what did I, you do? I, I pulled the trigger. Well, I got a giant screen, which is pretty awesome. Which and, giant uh, screen? Uh, it's a Dell U2713HM. So it's a 27-inch 1440p. IPS panel. It's the one that Digital Foundry are using a lot. Sure. Um, so I'm quite happy with it. It's not got any of that G-Sync business, but never mind. It seems to work fine. You just wanted pixels in the end. Well, I wanted pixels and I wanted the IPS because uh, yeah. uh, just is such a nicer color, a nice picture. It's just to read off and everything. It's really nice. Mm. And it, it's really nice. And it's got a nice uh, coating on it because uh, I was using ones very similar uh, on the iMac at work. Uh, at the start of the year. Uh, but that one was a bit glossy. Well, they're a bit glossy, aren't they, the IMAX? Well, yeah, they're basically glass, aren't they? Pretty much. Whereas this has a slightly matter finish, which is really nice. Apparently, it wasn't so good on the last generation of these Dell ones. And, like, mm. it was a bit, like, grainy because of the matte finish on it, but they seem to have yeah, fixed it. That can it. happen. Yeah. yeah. So they seem to have fixed it this time around because this looks great. Uh, and then I got a 270 uh, MSI. No, 970, sorry. I keep getting confused. NVIDIA GTX 970, the new one. the Not yeah, the yeah. top whack one, but the next one down that's really good value. It's yeah. got on those. And, um, good choice. Yeah, so I was pleased. Although the um, the simple act of swapping out graphics cards did not go smoothly at all. Um, really? Well, what, the, what happened? Well, it was it's like... Just the well, size of the cards or... <laughs> No, no, the wedged uh, out of the case. Like in my case, it's a real bastard to get them actually wedged well, in there. That was a pain, but I managed it. I, I'd actually had to research whether this card would actually fit, obviously, but this one does um, nicely. Uh, and no, the physical part of it was fine. It was the actual everything else. So step one, well, sw- swapping from ATI. I mean, well, yeah, I guess. But even if you were going to do, even if you weren't, like step one, uninstall the old drivers, right? So you're in yeah. crappy VGA mode. 
shut it all well, down. Don't necessarily need to do that, but well, maybe if it's the same manufacturer. But since well, no, even if do. you well, even if you swap the card, it won't pick it up as an ATI card, right? So it won't right. be loading in those drivers. But like, you might have some of their programs running, but it won't like be using yeah. the driver sets to power that card because it will recognize it as something different. Different, yeah. Well, you I could at least, it. yeah, you, it wouldn't, yeah. I did want them could, running side by side this, anyway. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe That's I made sensible. the wrong choice. Anyway, what I, I, I what I wanted to do was uninstall the AMD drivers, shut it down, um, swap the cards out, boot it up, and install the Nvidia drivers, and then done. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so I click on the I, I Google it or whatever, and then I click on okay. So the way you're supposed to remove the ATI drivers is you go in change remove remo- add remove programs or whatever, and you click on the AMD thing and you click change. It has a button which is like uninstall everything. And it's like, yep. okay. So I click that, and okay. And it gets about halfway through the process, and then my computer resets. Like, it doesn't ask me, would you like to restart? It just suddenly resets. Right. And then it boots up, and then uh, it goes like into it Windows. Resodded. Yeah, immediately B-SODs. Uh, it resets itself faster than you can read what the B-SOD says. goes into a cycle. So that was step one. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so that's bad. I was like, oh, okay, this is fucked. Um, Safe mode. Uh, well, it went it it, re, it it went around three times, and then it went into Windows Windows Recovery mode or something, where it like searches. Now I'm going to do a search. We're gonna your your computer's fucked. Now we're going to search for a solution. Then it goes searching for a solution for like five minutes, and then comes up with a helpful dialogue that says, "Yeah, we couldn't find yep. a solution." <laughs> so that was great, and also my mouse and keyboard didn't work in that in that mode. Like oh, shit. USB. So so <laughs> so now I was like, oh okay, now I get go to the cupboard and get my PS two keyboard out that i have for such emergencies uh went through that twice it didn't find anything then i was like okay now it's time for safe mode so i plugged in the ps2 keyboard and hit f8 multiple times as it was booting Mm. managed to get it into safe mode so that worked uh and then i thought well maybe the uninstall hadn't worked properly so i went back to the place where i was uninstalling it add remove programs and it says no this is safe mode you can't run those installers and stuff in here because this is safe mode and i'm like well that probably makes sense that's probably good so instead i'm like okay so i'll go to the device manager and i'll find the actual drivers for the device i'll find the device and i'll uninstall the drivers using device manager maybe that'll work mm. uh and that did work so i um uh, so that allowed me to boot back into normal Windows with no graphics drivers, uh, you know, apart from the, you know, into shit sure. DGA mode or whatever. Yep, that was yep, good. Yep. And then I went back into add remove programs and, and, and ran the AMD uninstaller uh, again to make double sure. And this time it didn't explode in the middle of it. So I'm like, okay, right. cool. Now we're in a good state. Now I'm in normal Windows. Everything's clean. Now I'll shut down and replace the cards. So I shut down, replace the cards, put the new one in, boot it up, and then... um so what kept happening now is the image would just freeze and it didn't seem to matter if I was in Windows or if I was in the middle of booting or I was in DOS or, or whatever the equivalent is. Um, the image would just freeze and I think the computer was probably, you know, still working but right, nothing right. was changing at all on the screen, right? It was still uh-huh. outputting. The video card was still... I thought, oh shit, I've got a, I've got a dud card or something. This is fucked. Um, so that was bad. <laughs> so, uh, and I was trying to see how far I could get before it... it froze because i didn't know if it was actually freezing you know or mm. uh anyway and I'm, i rebooted several times i kept hitting reset because what you're going to do because you don't know what's happening right so yeah. so then it went into oh your system your drive needs checking for consistency 
you know, because I'd reset yeah. it in the middle of it doing a write or whatever. So I wait for that. And I thought, oh, this is great because this is going to go through and it's probably going to work fine, but it might freeze in the middle of doing, the screen might actually freeze in the middle of doing this check. And I'm not going to know if the check has finished. Uh, but luckily that managed to work. And then I managed to get, I managed to get into Windows and double click on the driver installer, which I had on the desktop. And I managed to click through it enough times before it froze that it actually installed. It did freeze. But but I just left it, and then it, it, re, it rebooted itself, and now <laughs> I see. <laughs> and eventually, everything's it's fine. Yes, man. So that was a fun. That's trials at all levels. Yeah, everything so went wrong. So basically, yeah, AMD drivers don't uninstall properly. Well, and- apparently, I, I I tried googling for anyone else having this problem, but but no one else seems to have had this. But yeah, it was halfway through the uninstall process, and it just it just cut out, and then it came back up and besotted. Mm. And then the 970 seems incapable of running without without drivers. the drivers. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Even in its simple mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, I was thinking that's about gonna, it that's gonna, that. That it, might leave you with some some very awkward recovery situations if stuff goes wrong later. Like yeah, not necessarily with your card, but in general. Yeah, I've got all kinds of like. I was lucky I had that keyboard, but then I thought, well. If the worst comes to worst, I do actually have a graphics output on my motherboard. Oh, think, okay. Well, you're because you're I've got right. one of those i7 motherboards that has the, you know, the okay. i7 chips actually with, have with some Intel stuff in. Yeah, yeah. Some Intel I, I don't stuff. have that online, but yeah. So, if the worst came to the worst, I actually sort of have backup of that stuff as well. Oh, that's right. It's then, like little budget, like you know, getting a graphics card to just output something is pretty inexpensive anyway. So yeah, if I if I really needed to, but I was like, why does everything have to be so hard? Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, never mind. But now it's working, and it's pretty amazing because like the card is really quiet even when it's under load, and when it's not on load, the fans don't even spin at all. Um, mm. So when you're browsing the web, and like I, I I didn't know what to try it with yet, but I booted up um, Bioshock Infinite, put it into ultra mode at, at 1440p, and it's locked at 60. So nice, yeah, it's pretty good. Not that that game was like super taxing, but it looks really nice. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's really it looks really cool at that kind of res. So I, I'm pleased, and there's not too much ghosting that I can notice. Probably if you were seeing it, Rob, you probably noticed that it wasn't as performant as. Certainly, your hundred hertz monitor it won't be anywhere near that. Oh, I see. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but I, it, when, it was perfectly good to my eyes. I wasn't seeing. It. I wasn't making me feel weird or anything. Well, that's that's all that matters. Yeah, I think it it, it has quite a good response rate for the class of panel. Yeah. So so I think it's good. I did I, I did read up about like Asus have released a four K <laughs> G Sync monitor. Right. I think it is. And it's, <laughs> but that'll be like their fourteen forty P one in that it'll be TN, won't it? <clears throat> TN? Oh, than yes. IPS. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it is, and it's yeah. So it's 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 4K. It's G Sync. It's like eight hundred dollars or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's a lot of money. Um, but it's uh, and they had one disappointing thing, and it can run at 120 hertz mode, right. but not at 4K. Like, no. and you could only get 4K if you use DisplayPort or something. Oh yeah, um, and you know. So it seems to be like some cabling limitations or something. If you're thinking of jumping that far ahead, that maybe the standards haven't necessarily been worked out yet or something. I don't think going so to 4K is a good idea for gaming unless you're insane. not yet, not uh, yet. But I think 14, I think 14 the, the, maybe but... the 5K iMac that seems quite cool because 
most of the time, I mean, apparently they're you that probably even if you get the top whack one, it's still slightly underpowered for the display, even though it's one of the mm. fastest computers you can buy. <laughs> but um, uh, it's just the the fonts and stuff are going to look so beautiful on that for like using it for work. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. But but you're not going to be running games at 5K on that machine, even though it that's the thing. It's going to be one of those things grand. that aesthetically looks amazing, but it's not really actually going to give you any benefit i suppose other than just generally being nicer if you know yeah I, mean. I think this is a nice sweet spot this 1440p especially if you're planning on doing some work <laughs> because um like for me for 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 web development work it's really nice because you can have um a, a, a you can have a browser size to a normal viewport that a lot of people are going to use and it only take up one half of the screen yeah uh, so exactly. that leaves you space that, for that dev tools nice. And also space for your code on the other side, so it's quite nice for that. And uh, so that's cool. It's a bit overkill for most home applications and stuff, but I mean, it's pretty nice. Sure. Um, and then for gaming, yeah, I mean, you I, have to try the super sampling thing you were telling me about. Yeah, I haven't tried much yet. I I, I want to know. I mean, Zach, if you could send me some, uh, I will talk about it next time, maybe. But it, but I could do with a list of decent graphics mods for 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 Skyrim or whatever. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, I know I'll you check look, that all out. I'll just look in my folder that I yeah, have just got all are. the installers. So, and I'm probably going to get some games in the in the short term. I'm looking at Alien and uh, Shadow of Mordor, and then Assassin. I'll probably get Assassin's Creed Unity. That probably won't run at 60. I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, you, you uh, might want to hold fire on that to, until after it comes out, just in case, just because of Ubisoft's recent history with ports. Yeah, yeah. I'll see how they come. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but they're ha- they're really struggling getting their performance on the uh, on the consoles due to CPU bound stuff. Yeah, that was the that was more sort of news, wasn't it? But that was the sort of the the outcome of that that awkward conversation about hey, we we that guy said like oh yeah, we we just stuck it at like nine hundred p or whatever and thirty frames per second just so there wouldn't be a conversation between yeah, platforms. Yeah, but then they came back like, and, like, and said no, no, no. Actually, this is pretty much all we can achieve, and getting it to this point has been a hell of a struggle. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so that's my upgrade fun times, and uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes next time. But so yeah, far, it seems so, to be so because I'm well in the knowledge that I'm not going to be able to do anything like that until I either build a new PC, and that can't happen until the wedding's out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> not by a long shot. There's no other option for you apart from be able to get a new PC. I don't want you to ever no. upgrade that. No, thing no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I'm at the point where actually uh, my my CPU is at enough of a stage where it's, um, it's. I think it's starting to be pushed to its limits, and because of the stuff I'm doing now with video encoding and things like that, pretty much all the time, I would really benefit from having a monster CPU now. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, even not necessarily for gaming reasons. I would just a big CPU is going to be good for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. Yeah, it's going to be a while away. And yeah, I sort of agree with you. The case I have, as I said, the case is still fucked. I don't know if we've talked about it on the cast before. I still have to have the case yeah. door like unattached yeah. because it doesn't, because <laughs> stupidly I didn't look to whether it was going to work with the giant CPU cooler I have in it now because it overheats without it. And I mean, my case I, is really old now. Yeah. Um, I think I, next, I, next time I build, I'm going to be like, like Next time I build, now. I'm going to be like so cooling focused just because I've had so much yeah. shit with this one. Yeah. Like I'll get one of those ones that has like two ginormous, like yeah, 140 bands mil fans. that just, yeah. just cover the front panel because that was yeah. a bit. They'll, 
they'll be able to spin down enough when I'm not using it, hopefully, to like be silent or near They're enough silent. silent they, anyway, those aren't. Yeah, they, they probably don't need to run half the time anyway, and I'll get you know modernized sevens are nearly as uh, hot as the initial i7 that I have. Yeah, and things like that. So overall, it should be. I'm not going to skimp on the case because that's kind of what I've done the last two runs as I've bought. Oh, that looks cool enough. Um, cheap cases and man, yeah. have I paid for it? They're pretty <laughs> they're, cool uh, now, though. There's all, like all the all the piping and stuff, or what do you call it? The the cable management stuff is really cool. Like they yeah. all have the power supply at the bottom now. They're all totally different, and the hard drive cages are like all swappable and like yeah, the that, whole design that, that of them has changed. That kind of stuff is going to be neat. Like I always yeah, liked my one because it was aluminium, so it was so much lighter than everyone else's cases. But uh, yeah, and you know, by the time I build, Windows Ten will be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> Windows Ten, and so I'll have like Uber Boots and stuff like that. But naturally, it's gonna be I'm gonna be left in that scenario that I'm always left in. It's like, oh man, but I've got to use my. I'm gonna have to think about moving the music environment. That's gonna be the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you, you need to virtualize it. Yeah, so don't stress that out, really. If you have a monster CPU, you could somehow virtualize your whole PC. Uh, like, like you you say it. that, but you can't virtualize without paying money for things if you want to use more CPU cores. Uh, really? What 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 software are you using? Well, the easiest way to do it um, is to use, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's the Microsoft solution that's basically built into Windows. Because um, you can get something that basically just looks at your hard drive and goes, or oh, I can turn that into a VHD. And you go, right. well, do that then. And it keeps it. Then, admittedly, with XP, you have to have to do a few tweaks to get it to actually boot. Right. Um, but then I did that, and that was super easy because it's just like turn this turn this computer into a virtual machine, please. And it did it. Oh, um, cool. And but I can't even if I wanted to, I can't make that computer run with more than one core. Right. Um, because of limitations in virtual PC or whatever it is, unless uh, I buy like Hypervisor. Is it like or something. Hi- yeah, Hyper V or whatever? Yeah, I think it's based on the same technology. So the free one, the version, the free version limits you. Yeah, right. Because that, I, which I, is sensible because I want to sell the Uber package. You know. Yeah, sure. It's for business. Well, I've used Hyper uh, uh, Virtual. No, virtual, oh, shit. I'm getting confused now. What are they all called? VMware. Well, I used. I used VMware at work, but I, I've the other recently. I've used VirtualBox from Oracle, which is totally free, and that seems to work fine. Oh, like, okay. Um, yeah. I so. Uh, yeah, VirtualBox is, is free, and I don't know if it's compatible with the VH VM VM files or whatever. VHDs, but VHDs, but it certainly has compatible with, with many common format of uh, I think anyway. Because what I used it for was uh, it runs on Mac, and uh, uh, Microsoft provide a bunch of Microsoft um, Windows um, VMs for free for testing old versions of IE. Oh yes, yes, in the they realistic do, yeah. environment. If you just go to modern IE, they provide you with them. And so that runs no problem in, in VirtualBox. So if there's some way to convert your environment, or, or you could just start from scratch, you know, you get download VirtualBox, get your... Sure, Windows but if I was starting XP. from scratch, that wouldn't be any different than probably just running my music environment in Windows 10, which would probably just work just fine anyway. Well, if it worked fine, then uh, you might as well do that. Or, you know, maybe by that point I should modernize what I use anyway. But, you know, yeah. it's one of those jumps that's a bit awkward. And it took me what? How long did it take me? Like three or four years before I actually got round to um, 
<laughs> virtualizing my old machine anyway. Mm. I don't really use it. It's just like I kind of want to have it in the, on the off chance yeah, I need that, to access that. That was stuff. more of a problem with the physical thing, though, rather than just being bothered to virtualize it. You could never be bothered to actually deal with that whole situation of the, the, the chunk of PC. You have to, like... it's, it's sort of. It's a bit of the problem with music environments is they're kind of touchy things. It's like unless you can make all your VSTs install precisely and have your music software correctly find them all. Um, then you're going to have problems. And I've had that in the past when I've swapped machines where it just couldn't find things or certain yeah. things wouldn't run because it yeah. wasn't happy with the new OS. And, and it's like, well, actually, I've, this this isn't going to work for these old files, is it? It's just not going not gonna to fly. I need the old machine to still do things. Right. If, cool, or right. if I ever wanted to recover this. But yeah, anyway, that's a story for another day. We're going to have to wrap this one up, I'm afraid, guys. Yeah, um, I think so. I thanks for joining us, peace. listeners. It's time for them to get pizzed and me to get some kind of party food. I think it's, it's also burgers. apparently time burgers. for fireworks. Yes, and it's fireworks time. Um, <laughs> catch you next time, and uh, uh, where we'll have news of Bayonetta two, probably some more Civilization, uh, and Call of Duty as well, and Call of Duty. So, see you guys. Bye. Bye. No sign off? Nothing from Zach. Just a smile. Smiling! <laughs>